Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a quarterback in the NFL? I have. The quarterback position is arguably the most difficult position in all of sports due to its physical and mental nature. Join me by watching me on this channel on my journey to become an NFL quarterback. The best Chicago Bears content anywhere. Catch Nomad Live pregame one hour prior to kickoff and Nomad at night postgame and every Friday evening at 7 p.m. Central on all the most popular streaming platforms and only on the Nomad Network. children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bare their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect, he just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth, and they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? I love the efficiency of bourbon. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Yeah, baby! That's right, baby! We won a game against Don Burr's pussy-ass Lions. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, everybody in the chat room is feeling good except Diver, who is trying to defend himself against all of the allegations that he's wasting his time rooting for a fucking franchise that has never won anything. Anything. Were you born when they won? I know Don is saying, yeah, back in the 1950s, loved it. Yeah, you weren't even born yet. I wasn't even born yet. I'm the oldest motherfucker here. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of Bear Their Souls. My name is Aldo Gandhi, and my partner, Dan, is running late. Uh, his boss texted him and says, man, I need you to suck this person's dick. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I need you to do some extra work so he's uh, – <laughs> Aldo, you won the Super Bowl. <laughs> you won the 500. I know. But, Don Burr, you know – your eyes, you're a smart guy about football. Your eyes did not deceive you on Sunday. What you saw was a Detroit Lions team totally exposed, totally exposed. They have no pass rush. They're pass defense. Aaron Glenn, like I told you, Dunbar, Aaron Glenn is not a good coordinator. Back to what I was saying about Dan Aguirre. Um, he will be joining us hopefully in about 30 minutes or so, and then Tooch will come in around 9.15, 9.30, whenever he comes in. He's more than welcome. He'll have a Bear Their Souls. We'll have the media mashup. We'll have most of our stuff, but you have to listen to me a little bit more because that's the way it is. That's right, King Pookie. I am a grandpa, a very proud grandpa. But uh, getting back to that Lions team, Don Burr has got – well, let me let me start with this. This was uh, Greg Gabriel. Don Burr came in late to the uh, Gabriel Talks football show Monday at 11 a.m. Central, and next Monday it will be at the same time. And so he didn't hear Greg's uh, rant at the top. I isolated about a minute of it for a commercial. And so I'm going to play that for Don Burr and everyone else. But, you know, I, I, was, I told uh, Greg, Greg, I think this was a statement went on Sunday, and then this is what he said. I feel really, really good after that victory yesterday. I thought that it was a statement. <laughs> uh, but you're telling me that it's not. Not even close. Uh, tell me not why. Not even close. Well, first of all, yeah, the record says, oh, it'd be a real good team. No reality is, that's a really shitty football team. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're, yeah, they've won a lot of games. Do you know how many teams they have beat with a winning record all year? One. One. And that was the first game of the year. They haven't beat a team with a winning record since. So, And that was way back in month, week one. And in the last month, they have been – they've been the best team in the NFC North. level. So how is that a statement win? It's a nice win. Mm -hmm. It's a division win. You you want to win it. Mm -hmm. Not a statement win. Go out and beat Philly. That's a statement win. Mm -hmm. Beat okay. San Francisco. That's a statement win. But beat a shitty Detroit team with a quarterback that's putrid? Come on. You got to admit, Don. Greg has a point there. This team is exposed. Now, the, the best thing they had going for them is their offense. With their running attack, and, and Goff has a great receiver, and now Mount St. Ron, Ron Brown, and the tight end is special. There's no doubt about it. But you start getting pressure on Jared Goff, and all of a sudden he turns into – 
you know, I can't think of a good analogy right now, but but right now, but he's basically scared, scared shitless. And the Bears do such a good job of inflicting that fear in your quarterback. <laughs> I already talked about the backup quarterback and the hooker. Yeah. Well, maybe he's going to be your guy. I can't say. Uh, by the way, with Dan not here, uh, it's going to be a little slow for me to catch these great comments, although I'm older than you and I wasn't born the last time they won anything. <laughs> so I'm going to be a little slow on catching some of these comments, but I intend to try to read all of them, all right? Um, let's see. Uh, he, my wife is sending me a message. She just got home. I need to tell her that <laughs> I fed the dog. Yes. Now leave me alone. Okay, that'll piss her off. <laughs> she will be pissed off, too. Um, so this team is Detroit Lions. I have a lot of admiration for what Brad Holmes has done. I've never been a big fan of Campbell, but got to give him his props. He's gotten that team. He's willed that team to win games. But I, I still think this team is far away. And there is a stigma that that franchise has, very similar to what the Bears have had. There's a stigma with the team because they've been losing for so long. And so it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. This team is going to make the playoffs. They'll probably make it this week. But early exit, first round that they play in. So, yes, Josh, I will be – you know what? I've been sleeping on a cot for a couple days now, so – uh, it's home sweet home for me. So anyway, the theme, you know, I was thinking about a theme for the show and I wanted to talk to Dan and Tooch about is hope. Do you have hope that this team is, is finally seeing the light at the end of this fucking tunnel that we've been in? And we all know if you're a sports fan, you know that rebuilds can be fucking, fucking difficult to live through. You start to lose your patience. You get frustrated. You quit. I'm not going to watch anymore. Or you start stop paying attention. You know, but many of us, especially those people who are here watching this stupid show, are like me. We have a, a, a love and affinity for this franchise, for the game of football, and for the Chicago Bears. And so despite living through this horrible rebuild where we've been questioning everything, it does seem like maybe this shit is going to work. Yes, Ryan Poles has made mistakes. Yes, uh, there have been uh, some slower development of some of the players we were counting on. But it happens to 31 other teams. It really does. The Kansas City Chiefs didn't overnight become a great team. The New England Patriots needed to find the, probably the most special quarterback in the history of the game because um, we know it was him and not Bill Belichick. Anyways, I ran a poll. Bears fans, how much hope do you have that Ryan Poles' rebuild is starting to work? 69%. 69% said a lot of hope. 30% said some. So there – <laughs> there are what? 98% of you are feeling hope. Let me know in the chat room. Where's your hope level at? Because uh, this was great. 363 voted. I had the poll open for, I think it was six or maybe eight, eight hours. Uh, and I just wanted to get 
the temperature of what was going on with Bears fans. And I think that what we have seen with these last two wins, but even the loss in Detroit told us, wait a minute, this is this this is different. This was a different loss. Yeah, it hurt like hell. But the fact that we dominated that fucking team for three and a half quarters at their stadium, that was fucking special. I mean, we all were miserable about it. No doubt about it. We were miserable. But you step back a little bit and you start, when you start to do the macro focus thing, hopefully at the end of the season, I'm doing a video and I'm saying things like, but the loss in Detroit. My gravelly voice into these videos with the loss to Detroit was significant because it helped to signify that that the team is turning it around, and it's turning it around because of some the play of some guys like Jaquan Brisker, the game he had fucking on Sunday. Holy shit! Jalen Johnson shut down Don Burr's son or <laughs> Don Burr's man, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. It it was. It, it's special, and while I agree with Greg that you know uh, the NFL, the media, and so forth has given Detroit too much credit too quickly, they haven't looked closely like the national media never does, uh, and so uh, that team is not ready. And so there is there is some reason to to say you know that wasn't the win. You know, like for instance. Uh, 44 to nothing. Let me see if you can see that. 44 to nothing. That was the win in 1985 when I said, holy shit, we're going to fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> we're probably going to kill it. That was the win. So we haven't experienced that with this team. It's still early. It's the, if anything, this is like the 83 Bears, 84 to went into the playoffs, and you knew in 85 it was going to be special. I think this is like the 83 team. We're still building some stuff, and there's a lot of big decisions ahead, and hopefully Ryan Poles doesn't fuck those decisions up. And there, there are decisions that I don't, you know, I don't have answers for. I have opinions, and most of my opinions are I, I see it this way, and I also see it this way. I see the pros of keeping Justin Fields. I see the cons of keeping Justin Fields. I see the, the pros of signing Jalen Johnson. I see the cons of – I, I try to, in order to be fair, I try to look at things from both sides. And so sometimes, you know, it's difficult for me to make a decision. I'm like, holy shit, I'm arguing myself, fucking punching myself in the face. But this team is giving me hope. I want to know in the chat room, are you guys feeling that hope right now? Grizz, I think, is saying I love it. I, I hope you're. <laughs> it's on the topic of Mark is saying a lot of hope. Zach, Zach! <laughs> who has been very critical and justifiably so about Justin Fields. Um, even he is hopeful. Cliff, Pose is doing a great job. So on and on. It, it does feel like that poll, that number, really captures the feeling among many of us Bears fans. Now, this Sunday against Cleveland, this is another step. And I urge you all to watch Buffon 55, Danny Shimon, John Buffon, Alyssa Barberi. They're the co-hosts of the show. I do my little five-minute video that previews the Browns. I'm going to give you a lot of reasons why this Browns team is ready for the taking by the Chicago Bears. So that's a tease for tomorrow night's show. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, 
I downed the beer real quick before going live because I got a little nervous when Dan told me you're going to have to do solo. <laughs> so um, hope is, is, is the thing that I want you all to have. But I must warn you that hope can sometimes be very dangerous. My favorite movie, The Shawshank Redemption. Maybe not my favorite movie, but one of my favorite movies, Shawshank, they dealt with the theme of hope throughout. And in one scene, they talked about it specifically. What are you talking about? Hope. Hope. Let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. You better get used to that idea. For those listening on the audio podcast, when Morgan Freeman's character, Red, said hope can be a dangerous thing, I put up a picture of Matt Eberflus, and I said, hope in this guy? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you got to really go on a limb here. But there have been some good things about Matt Eberflus lately. But this, this thought in the movie best captures my feelings about hope, and in this case, the Chicago Bears. Remember, Red, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. We gotta have hope. We gotta have hope. If we don't have any hope that the Bears are gonna do something, why the fuck are we wasting our time? I should be doing a podcast about movies or, or porn or some of the other things I love in life. <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, hope is a good thing, and um, I want you all to think about that as we go on in this show and comment on that as thoughts uh, come to mind. Mark says, oops, not Mark. Who was it? Oh, John. John says, although I lived in Dallas in 1985, the 44 to nothing game was glorious. Hope I could have transported myself to be along with you, John, and to rub it in those uh, uh, cowboy fans. You know, it was, they were America's team. They were the, the gold bear, and they were starting to show signs of decline in that season. But the manner in which the Bears took care of them, it was, you know, if you're a Chicago Bulls fan, it was the same thing we did to the Detroit Pistons in four games in the Eastern Conference Finals in 1991. And then we went on to win six NBA titles in eight years, we being the Chicago Bears. But that was, you know, once we got past the Pistons in four straight, that was the feeling of that 44 to nothing win. You know, the Packers, no fucking problem. We'll take care of that easily. And I and I got a feeling we're going to take care of them again this season. They showed against the New York Giants last night that maybe that little hot streak they had there had more to do with the competition they were playing because, let's face it, KC and Detroit, they're not that good. Neither are the Green Bay Packers. So we 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 all started saying it. I think I, I can I think I can speak for Mr. Shorty, Tareen, Cornelius, everybody in the chat room, or at least ninety nine percent of the people in the chat room, maybe ninety percent. We were all saying before the season this division is ready for the taking. The Packers have Jordan Love coming in. That offense is going to take a while, if ever, to gel under him. Detroit Lions look good, but it's Detroit and the Minnesota Vikings are going to have problems. Well, all that stuff over a 17-game season is bearing true. 
Unfortunately, the Bears got off to the awful start, and I do believe that it had a lot to do with the injuries in preseason. You get all these different guys from different clubs, the huge roster turnover, lots of young guys in key positions and so forth. We should have all been smart enough, you know, hindsight being 2020, right? We should have all been smart enough to say, yeah, you know, I can understand why we're going to get off to a slow start. I remember actually Danny Shimon said, said it. He, he's, he had us at one and three, and then he had the Bears ending up with 10 victories, which isn't going to happen. But he was right with his rationale. You know, this is a tough schedule to begin with and with all the problems this team has had. And by the way, what about Montez Sweat? You know, the, the, the stats are in. This was, I found this on Football in Chicago, the NBC Sports Chicago broadcast. They do a daily show. I think it's at 6 p.m. And look at the effect Montez Sweat has had on the Chicago Bears. Before the trade, eight games, the team has six interceptions. In the five games since, they have nine. And they're tied for first over those five games with nine interceptions. Total turnovers before sweat, they were tied for 22nd with nine total turnovers. And in the five games since, they're tied for second in the NFL, 11. So they have more turnovers in five games with Montez Sweat than they had with it, with um, uh, eight games with sweat. The other numbers are all there in, in, in favor of the marvel that Mart Montez Sweat has been. I got to believe as you soak in these numbers, those of you watching or listening on the audio podcast, come on over to YouTube once in a while and, and, and either check us out on demand or if you can join us live, that would be great. But these numbers are all saying that the Eberflus plan for this defense was missing key players. You got to have superstar players. And before Montez Sweat arrived, name me the superstar players in the defense. And it's not Ryan Pose's fault. He's, he told us, he warned us this was going to take a while to acquire the players. And by the way, did you guys hear what he said on the Bears pregame show on the, on the flagship radio station? He said, we're close to being elite. The defense, he, said, he put it this way. I'm trying to remember exactly. The defense is close to being elite, and I agree with that. The team is getting closer to being elite. I'm pretty sure how that's how he phrased it. And I agree with that. That's what I'm seeing with these two old eyes. So uh, I want to get to the media mashup. We're 25 minutes in. I will start to collect some of the comments, uh, but the media mashup is going to offer you some really good stuff. By the way, I like to put a little sound effect in between each clip so that way the people listening on audio podcasts uh, – uh, understand that there's a new clip since they don't know who exactly who it, who it is talking uh, unless they recognize the voices. And so this week, instead of like a sound effect of the radio station turning or I've had other sound effects, I've got famous people doing famous rants on the set of a movie. So if you're paying close attention, let me know in the chat room who do you think it was that said, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> uh, so uh, the movie rants that we've got, uh, Ed Obradovich is still on the fire, fire flus uh, stage, and he and Dan Hampton had a great fight that you must listen to. Uh, Mullion Hall uh, talking about the elite thing. They're, they're 
responding to Ryan Posa's comment about close to being elite. Bernstein and Holmes, uh, take open KO. What the fuck did I write here? Anybody want to make that out for me? Um, whatever. Barkins and Spiegel, uh, they had Kurt Warner on, and you've got to pay close attention to Kurt Warner's evaluation of Justin Fields because I agree with the man 100%. We'll talk about it on the other end. Captain Jay Hood, uh, we're talking about Montez Sweat and also some of the great throws that Justin Fields made against Detroit. Carmen Ayurko, talk about the play calling for Luke Getze. This is also a great clip. We'll talk about it on the other side. I think it's uh, something we should all listen to and consider. And then uh, Waddle and Sylvie finish by talking about Justin Fields. Um, yeah, yeah, counterclock. Anton turned on OB, but I think OB was the first one. At least uh, take a listen to it. So, anyway, here comes the media mashup brought to you by. Oh, we don't fucking have a sponsor yet. <laughs> Fuck. It's going to be awfully, awfully difficult to make a case for Eberflus and his staff. I truly believe that, Dan. And there, somewhere, you got to stop the bleeding somewhere. And if it continues here in the next four weeks, three weeks, whatever it is, you know, a move has to be made. Well, obviously, again, if the season ended today, it would there would be a lot of reasons to retain him, and there'd be a lot of reasons to say we're going to move on and try something else. So your point about the next four games, yeah. It, 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 how many times in your life do you have a month to kind of decide your fate? And that's what not only Justin Fields, but this entire coaching staff, they have been given. It's an opportunity to control your destiny. Let's see what they do. But I will tell you this. A month ago, he was a dead man walking. And somehow, some way, he's been able to find – some kind of a vibe with this team, and and think about this. And I know you. Danny, like it's also the schedule that we have, but, and, the, and the quality of teams that we played. I got it. Okay. This was a quality team today, but yes, come on. But we outplayed them three weeks ago, no question. Oh, we lost it. We, we lost the game, Dan. We lost it. I got it. I got it. But if you did a, a coaching matchup, would you say that in the two games, who was the better coach? I would think it Dan would be Campbell Eberflus. was when he no. won it, and and uh, what? I, I think Eberflus has I'm been you the I, answer. I think Eberflus has been better. In he the, was in the good, two better matchups. today, and her coaching staff was better than Dan Campbell and from the Detroit Lions and his coaching staff today. Okay, they weren't before. You want to know why? Because they lost, Dan. I got it, but he won today. But we led the game yeah, for fifty-six minutes. Give him credit for it. So, yeah. how, my point being is, you're talking about that guy being the goods. And I, in my mind, I thought Eberflus, you know, outcoached him in the two matchups. Yeah, we fell apart at the Hold end of the on. game. I got it. But what, my other my point is, what about the Minnesota uh, game two weeks ago, where we were we found a way to win what about, on the road uh, yeah, without they, scoring they a touchdown? With a quarterback that's been since last year, been with seven. What is it? Seven different teams. I got it. I got it, but it, how many games did well, we play with the kids that never I keep played? Giving you answers. Hey, like Tyson Bajan was a free agent from nowhere, and we won two out of four games with him. I'm just saying, before you discount what Iberflus has been able to accomplish this last month and a half, 
kind of have to look around. Think about this. The game, the season isn't a month and a half long, Dan. I got it. What are you talking about? I'm talking about. We just about... got our fifth win. He won three games last year. We just got our fifth win with four more games to go on his schedule. And this guy's the greatest coach in Bear history? I didn't say that. Well, you're alluding to it. No, I'm, I'm saying that the powers to be, Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles, they're going to be the ones that decide his fate. Now, what he has amassed the last month and a half, yeah, and we have we sat here and screamed bloody murder at how pathetic they were in September and most of October. And that was all on Eberflus and Getze. It was on them. And then they fired the uh, defensive coordinator. Eberflus took over the defense, found some things, started you know making a few adjustments, got Montez sweat, and now the defense is playing three times better than it was in September. So I last year at the end of the year, I said, who on this team is a better player today than they were September 1st? And we couldn't come up with anybody. Maybe Cole Komet. Maybe. Well, I can see a lot of progress in a lot of areas. That's all I'm saying, and that's what he will be graded on. Oh, good for you. Brad, are they a playoff team? No, they're three games under 500 right now. They're not a playoff team. They're, they're, uh, I, I don't believe they're close to being an elite team, but they're a better team, right? And, and there's plenty uh, to feel a lot better about than you, than you felt about this team. I mean, guys, shoot, first, uh, first Sunday in November, they go down to New Orleans and they lose, and, and they're 2-7, and seven, right? So between November 5th and where we're at uh, right now, creeping up on mid-December, have they uh, moved close to elite? No way. Uh, have they gotten better? Definitely. Uh, they've gotten better in a lot of ways. Uh, we're talking about uh, the possibility of them uh, sliding into uh, somehow the number seven playoff position in the NFC, which right now would uh, earn you a trip to Dallas to get your butt kicked. Um, <laughs> let's just be real. Yeah, okay? it's real. Uh, let's be real. And uh, there are, what, five teams at six and seven ahead of them right now? in the NFC. So the, the bears have got to win out, right? They've got to win their next four, which would give them a six game winning streak to close out the season, which would be uh, a great accomplishment right there as it is. And, and then they're going to need to leapfrog a bunch of teams. These, this gaggle of six and seven teams, uh, they don't know couple of those could go three and two and and now you're looking at a collection of uh of nine and eight uh clubs there's you know the tiebreakers get pretty uh intricate and the bears really can't afford the scoreboard watch or anything right now they've just got to try to continue uh to get better if i wanted to give you a line reading i just fucking get in front of the camera and do it well dan i i said it to start the show that I don't have any caveats to this one. This was not just a an outcome that was an absence of bad. They didn't back into this. That was a genuinely good win by they they beat a good team because they outplayed them. Yeah, and in the second half, Dan, the whole thing was convincing, really. 
particularly on the defensive side of the ball, because the way that defense came out and played to start the second half was the entire spark that this team needed to to overcome what looked like a, a game that was going in the wrong direction. You guys watched the Lions go down and score that go-ahead touchdown before the first half. You know they're getting the ball to start the second half, and you just felt like, okay, you know, it, they've seized the momentum, and they're going to they're gonna carry that forward. Well, you get the three and out to start, and then you get another three and out, and then you get another three and out, and, and the first five possessions of the second half, the Lions didn't have a single first down, and the Bears' average starting field position after those Lions' possession was the Detroit 46. That's the definition of complimentary football right there boys you go ahead and get two touchdowns and two field goals out of it and you never look back dan why is matt eberflus convinced that upon winning the coin toss they (laughs) should take the ball i I mean it's a question i want to get to with him this week for certain um because i react similarly to you dan in terms of of kind of like the what what are we doing you know because you give them that opportunity on both sides of halftime to to hit you but there seems to be a (laughs) <laughs> belief factor to what the opening drive points in, in the last uh, several games against the Lions, the, the opening drive touchdowns can do to create that that sort of control of the game early. And but so they, I'd but be they lost it. Like they, this was, right, yeah. they, 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 they can say they had it, but then they gave them consecutive possessions again where this thing yeah. could have gone they sideways. They could have really on. lost it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and, and I, I think he does have to kind of answer to that and figure out exactly what uh, – what, what what that is because it's obviously not just something they've done one time because they they felt like okay this is a one game uh you know you see coaches do that occasionally as a, okay we're trying to make a statement here to our players and and to our team and and this is obviously a, a trend of, of something they clearly believe in i don't ever want to see it again and if you don't do it you're fired yeah uh there was a lot there from justin fields but it was another game with no turnovers. He had some spectacular plays. He had some frustrating moments. What was your overall takeaways before we get into a few specifics? Uh, well, I mean, I think you're seeing kind of the same stuff that we've seen from Justin is that he's an unbelievable playmaker. Um, you know, when, when he sees it and, and he knows where he wants to go or when he's out creating, um, he makes all kinds of, of really special big time plays. I think the biggest thing, continues to be you still want him to kind of see it faster um you know kind of be able to decipher what's going on uh on the field or pre-snap or or right at the snap and and be able to get through some of the things a little bit faster but um but we're seeing you know all the the great stuff that that is justin fields and you see it on display almost every week in in different ways it's just again putting it to me for me putting it all together so it's not just good when he's out creating, but it's good all the time. Man, it's it, it's it's well said because yesterday felt like the full experience. It wasn't necessarily new information, but it was like, oh man, so few people can do that. But then you're like, well, a lot of people seem to be able to do that 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 he struggles with. Uh, help us with this zoom out because we just talked about this a few minutes ago. It, even the great quarterbacks who are more consistently productive, your Josh Allen's, your Pat Mahomes. They make bad plays too, right? Like, are we being unrealistic with our ask of Justin Fields as a pocket passer at this point? Um, well, I mean, I don't know what you mean by unrealistic. I think the bottom line, and, and you know, I tweeted it out last week, is that every time I put on the tape, that the best performances every week are the ones that start by making the plays they're supposed to make inside the pocket. 
reading things, getting it out to the right guy, not holding it and not trying to create all the time. And you mentioned a couple guys like Josh Allen uh, and Patrick Mahomes. And those are two guys that I don't believe are playing their best football right now. And a big part of it is because they're not hitting the stuff on time. They're, they're, they're getting impatient in the pocket and they're starting to move uh, and try to create all the time instead of just playing football. And and it hurts them time and time and time again because I know they're capable of it. To me, the best quarterbacks are the ones that make those layups and then they give you the special on top of it. They don't try to live in the special because it's nearly impossible because you know when you're running around making plays, one of them's going to be a 15-yard sack. You know, one of them's going to be, uh, you know, a bad throw because you're on the move trying to run and make a throw when you had a guy wide open in front of you. And so, you know, that's what I continue continue to see. You know, when Patrick and Josh are at their best is when they're playing on schedule, getting the ball out of their hands, and then when something crazy happens, they make a special play. Um, and you know, when you look at Justin, that's kind of what I want to see. I want to see him make more of the layups because I know he can make the special, but you guys have seen it. We've seen games where he's made a lot of special plays. They don't win those games because that world is tough to live in um, against good teams week in and week out. Um, you know, if you're not getting you know turnovers from your defense or the other team's not playing well, those kinds of things, you've got to be able to play the game first and foremost and make it easier on yourself. I think that's, you know, kind of the, yeah, at the end of the day, that's kind of the statement. You've got to be able to make the game easier as a quarterback instead of making it harder all the time by trying to make those big plays and, and hope that you can make enough in every game to win. Let the game work for you. Let your playmakers work for you. Let the play, you know, the design of the play work for you. If it's there in front of you, have to be able to take it and complete it and then do whatever you're capable of doing beyond that. Leave me the fuck alone! Do you know what the fuck is going on? Period. Fuck you! Um, so we're talking about Justin Fields, and we talked about that game that the Bears had, especially offensively, against the Lions. Things worked out really well for the Bears where I saw balance. Yes, he did run with his legs for the first down. He ran for a touchdown. But also, he made some tough throws. That's the consistency that you and I are looking forward to from number one. Yes, he made some really good throws. They, he, I thought he adjusted when the Lions, early in the game, he was using his legs and was slipping out of what they thought were sacks. And all of a sudden, he's 22 yards down the field. And you see Aiden Hutchinson and those guys frustrated. How could we not get him? Mm -hmm. And then they made some adjustments and were able to fence him in. And I thought he made some really good plays, Justin. He did. He didn't force the ball. He didn't throw picks. He didn't fumble. I was impressed with how he played. I was. And they found a way to get enough done to win. The defense was just outstanding in the second half. Suffocating. Led by Montez Sweat. He was tremendous. Tremendous. Now the question is, can they handle what Cleveland brings, can they protect against Miles Garrett and company, mm -hmm. and can we do enough offensively? You know, it's, it's interesting to watch Justin Fields. We go back to some of those key plays. There was some really key throws. Let's go back to that fourth down play. Man, look. Man, Are you talking about the one where they got the free play. The free play. Oh, the free play. The free play. Yep. Uh, more times than not, that's just a, you know, Cutler used to throw it in the dirt, and we used to say, dude, it's a free play. The play's not over. Correct. It's a free play. Correct. I don't care. 
Yeah, I don't care. Uh, okay, well, it's a free play. There may be a, a receiver down the field that you could throw to for a touchdown, extra yardage, you know, whatever. He was put in the dirt. But just that kind of awareness shows me growth in the, in the young man. Those tough throws. I told you about that window throw, that tight window to Darnell Mooney. My God, Cap. It's a great play. Cap, very few can make that throw. Correct. And, and you know that it feels as weird with the... He could do it over the top, three quarters, underneath. Like It's not quite Matt Stafford level, but there's some times where he's almost like a shortstop over there whipping it over to first base. That's the kind of his arm angle at times. And so when he can make those throws, that makes you feel good that it's not necessarily with his legs, but the offensive line giving him time to be able to make those tight window throws. So I'll fucking go over there and rip your fucking hair out of your head and go, shut up. To the point on Luke Getze, like this is a... Now, his second year of calling plays, second year with Justin Fields, you've seen improvements uh, both numerically and just with your eyes as well. You've seen some improvements. And I know Getze is the, the scapegoat across the city, but he deserves part of the credit, too, for helping to build up what Justin Fields has been this year. Sure, there's been some suspect play calls at times. There's also been a number of plays that he's called that just haven't worked because of player execution or, or something or the other as well. Before we go to the phone, so I'm going to tell you what I think. He dialed up that beautiful play on second down with four five minutes left that would have gone to DJ Moore if he get that ball there. Okay, He gets no credit mm-hmm. for devising that play. Right, because the play was incomplete. Nobody goes back and remembers, oh, what a great play that was. Yeah, I remember how great that play was. The play they scored the touchdown on the left sidelines when they drew the guy off sides, mm-hmm. everybody's talking about what a great play that was. Hey, look, what a great why? Because it was completed, and it went for seven points. Mm-hmm. So sometimes as a coach, you don't get credit for the things that you do correctly, and the players don't execute on the field. Okay, mm-hmm. That would be a plus in Luke Getzey's column. Here's another situation, Ben Johnson for Detroit. Uh, the Bears called a blitz yesterday. They ran Jameer Gibbs out to the right side and had blockers yes. out there. Mm-hmm. Balls in his hands, hitting him in rhythm. I mean, hitting him yeah. in stride. He's going to go for a touchdown. Would probably look yeah. like a 47-yard touchdown. Um, he yeah. was going to take it to the house. And what happened? He dropped the ball. So is Ben Johnson an idiot for calling the perfect play against the perfect you know, blitz? It was third down, too, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it was. I go. I mean, is he the, the moron for that? Or did Jameer Gibbs disappoint his team? And that was a game-changing play right there. That play for them would have resulted in seven points. That's what was there. So sometimes the coordinators are calling the great plays, and then guys aren't executing it on the field. Even some of the stuff in the red zone, too. Because it's not executed on the field. Uh, They call a perfect pass where Cole Komet is in in uh, in the flat. He's going to score a touchdown. Ball gets thrown to him, puts a little touch, puts a little air under it, and what happens? Cole Komet can't come down with a catch. Right. Luke Getzey doesn't get credit for that, does he? Mm-hmm. No. Why? Quarterback was off a little bit, tight end couldn't come down with the grab. Same one with the third and two so, to Mooney uh, down right. in the red yes. zone, too. Luke Getzey, no credit. There's no credit when things go wrong, you know, uh, because a player doesn't execute, even though the play design was phenomenal. So that's why I say for everybody that wants to point to the third and short and the fourth and short, and some of the idiocy that we've seen there, there are things that are being called over the course of a 70-play game that are pretty darn good, and you've got to acknowledge Yeah. Time to fucking help you, bitch! Figure it out yourself! Our team played like a team that was leading the division, not the team that was in last place in the division. Did you read the stat that I tweeted out, too, about Justin and his rushing? Big picture? I did not. Okay, so tell me what you think about this stat. We know he could run the ball. This is not a passing stat. So, like, you're either going to say, wow, that's an awesome stat, 
or okay, I want to see more with the arm, or we know he can run. It's it's a great running back stat. Justin Fields is the first NFL player since 1970. So this is the first, not quarterback. Yeah, he is the first NFL player since 1970 with 300 rushing attempts, 2,000 rushing yards, a six-yard rushing average after 36 games. So no player since 1970 has ever had those collaborative stats of 300 rushing attempts, 2,000 rushing yards, a six-yard rushing average after only 30, uh, 36 games or more. Yeah, there's no denying his dynamic ability to run the football without but question. I said, I said to the guys, I go, well, what about like Barry Sanders? What about some of the greats? And they go... They didn't have a six-yard average. No. Like this is this is like even uh, Lamar, uh, Cam Newton. Like yeah. no, he has done something with the legs, and and like this goes back to the Ohio State stuff where he was a pocket guy. Sure, and we knew he had the ability to run, but he was never a dynamic rushing quarterback. There, that he has done something with his legs that no NFL player has ever done. I'm not surprised. I I mean, I said it last year. I think that he he shocked the NFL and the NFL defenses. They know, you know, he's a dynamic athlete, but when you see how big he is and how strong he is, how many times, whether it was against the Vikings a couple of uh, weeks ago or yesterday, did a, a defensive lineman who's all of 265 or 270 have him in their grasp? And because he's so strong and powerful, he's able to escape their 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 you know that death grip. It's crazy, and I think people. I think he shocked people last year how hard he was to bring down and how fast he ran by them. So yeah, I'm that doesn't. I I did see a stat about how he registered at the top of a list as well. One of the first to I think run for three thousand yards and. Pass for five thousand yards, something like that. I did see some stat like that, like he's well, not, only the not second 3, or third because he just rushed for two thousand. Yeah, two thousand and five thousand, something like that. I saw that stat. And then the other one that we talked about. Then we'll get to your calls. Is you know we were always saying after um, you know when he came back with a thumb that it's up to these last seven games. So three of them are gone. Um, in the last three games, these first three of the seven are gone. He is, here are his numbers. He's 62 of 93. That's a 66.7 percentage completion rate. 609 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, and he's also rushed for 221 yards and a rushing touchdown. It's pretty damn good. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good. It's what they've asked. I mean, was, listen, seven, seven games. And they're two and one. The NFL season is a lifetime. And we've always said you can change the narrative by changing the narrative. And while they up at Hallis Hall may have a firm lean in one direction, it ain't over till it's over. So you got four more games, whether it's the coach or the quarterback, for both guys and other players on this team and inside the organization to make a statement. Oh, some hot stuff there to talk about, and we're going to do it with my man, Dan Aguirre. Dan, how are you, my friend? Man, I'm so glad to be here again. I'm sorry they threw a production 
assignment at me for basket high school basketball and again i didn't even know it was coming until today or i would have warned you ahead of time so with that said i listened to the majority of the mashup and i love kurt warner i liked him as a player too but i wanted to tell him to shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> i know i mean what can justin do before someone will just give him some credit Oh, he's only making the the spectacular plays, but he's not making the easy ones. Like, why? I mean, does anybody else get that level of criticism? Well, the thing is, is because he's a, a new breed. He, you know, yes, we've had athletic quarterbacks like him in the past, but I don't think the NFL has ever seen quite anyone quite like him and he has had struggles uh passing from the pocket and he does mess up on on easy things that for traditional pocket passers come easy for like cj stroud with the texans you know that's a perfect example for a second pick overall in the draft and comes in and plays like a veteran because he he could see the field real good he gets what the coaches are telling him fields is not there at least not yet and maybe will never be but what fields offers is fucking special something we've hardly ever seen in the history of the game i can't disagree but i'm just saying like they should have won four games in a row. They've won three of the last four. And the defense cost us the first Detroit game. It wasn't Justin's fault. Like, God, just for once, just I'm saying, like, can someone just lay off of them? They they can't just come out and say, hey, like Sylvie was saying, 60%, you know, what what was the percentage? It was well over 60%, I think, and and running and throwing, and he's been playing good football. Why can't we just say that? I agree, but some people are saying it. And so let me show you this graphic. Again, uh, Football Night in Chicago, NBC Sports, they put together this graphic. And where the fuck is it? I didn't lose it, did I? Oh, no, here it is. Oh, here it is. Um, making his case as QB1. In the last 17 games, study this, uh, Dan Aguirre. You're going to love this. You're going to jerk off to this. I'm Not ready to jerk off. I'm horny already. <laughs> <laughs> While he has had a 1,000 less yards passing than Burrow, Lawrence and Herbert, he has had just about as many touchdowns. Fields has had 25 touchdown passes. Lawrence, 23. Herbert tied with him with 25. And Burrow, 29. Of course, Burrow, remember, has Jamar Chase, probably the, the second best receiver in the game. Interceptions, they're all about the same. 11 Fields, 12 Burrow, 16 Lawrence, 8 Herbert. Completion percentage, it's all about the same. Passer rating, all about the same. He's actually above Trevor Lawrence. And then the rushing yards and touchdowns, which these guys – don't go anywhere near. So you add up those passing yards and rushing yards. He is has been as effective as these three other big-time quarterbacks. What do you think of that, baby? I took some shit a couple of weeks ago from somebody uh -huh. uh, when I said that Herbert seemed to be overrated and the Bears had a chance to win. And, of course, Justin didn't play that game. But, I mean, I know – the Herbert's got talent, but man, he seems like Mr. Mediocre. He's got good stats, but I know he's hurt again now, but it just seems like those guys where the talent that he has, he is an underachiever, a serial underachiever, and no one goes after him. They suck his dick constantly. They don't yeah. say, hey, you blew a fucking 28-point lead against the, Char or, uh, the Jacksonville in the playoffs. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's really inconsistent. But we always hear about Justin's flaws, and I'm a little bit uh, pissed off about that because the guy is stepping up right now. Like I was listening to um, our guy. We've had him on the air before, Pat- Patrick Finley. Yeah. I will listen to Pat Finley and Jason Leisure. You and I both have complimented Jason's work uh, on their podcast. And again, they're not haters. I'm not coming after them calling them Dan Weederer here. Mm-hmm. But they were just casually talking and not really uh, animated. It was almost like we were listening to a phone call. And they were like, you know, is there really anything Justin can do in the last four games to keep his job? You know, Pat, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, the Bears have to already know right now. It's been two years. I mean, if you don't know by now, you, what do you know? And they're just like, yeah, there's nothing he can do. It's it's over. I mean, what fucking game are they watching? Did you see on Twitter the other day, uh, on Monday, we're coming off this big win, and there was Potsy, Mark Potash, put a, a, a picture of Hallis Hall and said 35 more days until we evacuate. Why would you put that on the day after that Lions game? Yeah, they have no respect for the fans sometimes, you know. Uh, you know, I got into it with uh, – I won't even mention his name, but he said something. This was last season. There was a terrible Bears loss. I forgot who it was, and I said I couldn't fucking sleep all night thinking about that loss. And then he replied saying um, – We'll get a life. That's exactly what he said. Wow. That's exactly what he said. And so I went into the DMs and said, why would you say that to me? I don't, under- I don't fucking understand. He goes, sorry. That's all he wrote back. And I'm like, but but I'm asking why. Was and this a he, beat writer? No, this was a former Chicago TV broadcaster who I loved uh, in my 20s and 30s and 40s. I, I'll name his name, uh, Bruce Wolf. He was wow. uh, he worked here on on television for a number of TV stations and so forth. And I got you know, and he's got this kind of sharp sense of humor. He likes to make fun of, of but you know, when I when I asked him you know i i wanted to just really drive into him and say you you have no appreciation for us fans who think about this and if you don't think i gotta have a life well then fuck you you know because i have a family that i love more than anything in the world i have other interests i'm uh um i'm deeply devoted to following what's going on in politics so i can make good judgments and decisions when I go to the voting booth. I I have so much more in my life, but my passion is so strong for the Bears that I'm going to have some sleepless nights if they fuck up. And you shouldn't make fun of it. So I I agree. And conversely, the pain that you're describing, which I think anybody that's listening right now on the Ballroom Network, we've all felt that. But right now, coming off of Sunday's win, and then Green Bay losing last night. Now Minnesota winning 3 nothing was a little bit of a, oh, come on. But the Ravens beat Baltimore with a, or beat uh, the Rams with a punt return. The Rams are ahead of us in playoff positioning, if you're wondering why I'm referencing that. But they won with a punt return in overtime, which was electric. Again, the Packers lost last minute. The Bears won. I mean, what a fucking weekend, man. Again, I'd love to have seen Minnesota lose again and it it's scary to me that they're starting Nick Mullins. He's a far better quarterback, I think, and then uh the guy with no hair. Uh I can't think of it. Dobbs. Dobbs. Romeo Nick Dobbs. Mullins looks like Adam Johns, by the way. <laughs> he does. He that, does. Is <laughs> that is true. I I I I wanted to ask you, what did you think about what Yurko said about Getsy's play calling. 
you heard that part, right? What part specifically? I did hear him saying that you got to give him credit for some, uh, some other calls. It's, you can't yeah, just he, criticize him. He was saying that there are, you know, bad calls that he's made, but he's also made good calls where the receiver dropped the pass or Justin didn't throw it correctly or there was some other mistake, a penalty or something My, I, like that. I've got your response. First mm -hmm. off, and again, this is, I'm coming around to answering the question, but the no. fourth down that changed the momentum. Uh -oh. That fucking right winger set the alarm <laughs> off. But before I get to this, I'm okay. going to say what I was going to say. Because I know he's still on there. He's just in there whispering things about how he hates Democrats. And it sets <laughs> off the alarm. So that fourth down call I thought was good. Now, it got stopped, and it hurt us. It, it flipped momentum. I give you that. But if you're going to do fields up the middle on third down, and everyone in America watching is assuming that that's where it's going on fourth down with another tush push. Most of the time, if you're going to do a little toss out to the to the left there, it's going to work. I can't tell you why it didn't work, but if it did work, everyone would have said, what a great play call by, by Getsy. That's one of those, I don't, I mean, if you do it and it works, it's great. If you don't, it, you, you're a fucking idiot. I didn't mind that play call. The only thing about Getsy that that I don't like is the like the game plan against Minnesota where you screen pass screen pass screen pass or the one against Green Bay week one those are the reasons he gets criticized when he's clearly holding the team back yeah. but the you know the the wildcat with uh with DJ and then that the toss I didn't mind those calls and obviously the one was successful and the one wasn't give me 30 seconds to turn this fucking alarm off <laughs> that's Danaguire <laughs> I love I love the way he blames it on a right winger. <laughs> While uh Dan is away, I want I want to continue on this talk of uh let me mute him. <laughs> oh, it's off. Maybe he'll be back here because I'd like him to see this clip. Um Chase Daniel, we know if you've been following his work on his YouTube channel, and you can find it by simply typing in Chase Daniel uh, in the YouTube search. He's been very complimentary of Justin Fields, saying the Bears should not uh, move Justin Fields in the offseason. They should continue to work with Who him. said this? Uh, Chase Daniel, former Chicago ah, Bears. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and he was also... To Yurko's point, he's been critical of Getsy like you were, but he was also fair-minded. So I'm going to show you that one, the first touchdown the Bears scored, Chase is going to break it down for us. It's going to take about a minute, but he's complimentary to the design of the play, and it was good to hear. Eighth play of the game, good opening drive. This was sweet. You start Justin in the backfield. Okay, you know what? No, we're going to have DJ Moore go. He's everyone, this communication, no one has no idea what's going on right here. And a sweet play call, like give it to Luke Getzey, man. This is sweet because I've never seen a fake reverse to a quarterback draw so many eyes to the backfield, especially down here in the red zone. You're not going to throw it, but watch what this reverse does. One, two, three, four guys on this side of the ball going with Justin Fields and great big number 70 right there. Great block to finish it off. Holding the blocks. You got a, a free guy, 62, coming in, and they're pumped. The Chicago leap. 
it's a good view of it. Hey, let me go here. You know, they're going on silent because when there's a non-quarterback over there, they are not very good at cadences. Look, one, two, three. Everyone's eyes are on Justin. Great play call here. Great job by 15, 23, 70, and 62 right there. So you saw that. It, wasn't it nice to for someone to pay Luke Getzey a compliment because we've yeah. heard so much negative stuff. I listen to DJ Moore uh, whenever they win. I I, I want to hear everybody <laughs> when yeah, they right. lose. I don't, don't want to watch any fucking over. I don't want to hear by talking. I don't I, I don't listen to any pod. You know, but I was listening to everything, uh, cleaning house and stuff. And I heard DJ Moore tell Mully and Haw that they just put that game that play in last week. Really? They hadn't practiced that the whole season. That was coming off of the bye. So give Getsy some credit, man. He was he was cooking up some shit on the bye. He wasn't like he was just sitting at the house. So they came, yeah, they installed that this week, first time I, they tried it. I don't know if it was on this show, one of the other shows I, I have my ugly face on, but I had said they should need to use DJ more, a little bit more like Debo Samuel is used with the 49ers. He scored like three touchdowns a couple of weeks ago. He scored more touchdowns uh, last week. And some of them were out of the running back position, and some of them were as a pass catcher. DJ Moore and Debo Samuel are very, very similar. If anything, Samuel is just a touch faster. But uh, DJ Moore, holy cow, his ability to break tackles, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's been a Bears wide receiver that I've seen in my entire life. Can you think of anybody who breaks tackles like uh, DJ Moore? Maybe Marshall. B. Marsh. Brandon Marshall. Yeah, because yeah, he was so big and so yeah, physical. He's so fucking big, yeah. That's what I'm yeah. saying. He was such a such an unheralded guy in some in so ways. Yeah, that's one more thing I wanted to say in the media mashup. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is Jay Hood talking about? Jay Cutler just didn't say, oh, and throw the ball. The only time Cutler ever threw the ball down was one on a quote unquote free play was when he was still about to get hit. Yeah. Whenever he's about to get sacked, but the referee's blowing the whistle, so he would throw the ball down. If for Jay Hood to sit there and say, Oh, I don't uh, I don't care. I don't care. And he wouldn't take shots, that's that's a lie. That's an absolute lie. And he knows better. But that's he's the same guy I went back and listened to that that criticized the veteran in North Carolina and called him weak. Uh you know, so I mean, I'm at the point where I don't like Jay Hood. You know, I, I like Jay Hood, but people in the chat room, you know, who listen to him much more than I do, uh, because I'm always got these on and working on stuff for the bar room, uh, they say that Jay has changed and that he's gotten meaner and he had a fight with Cap on the air and stuff. I, I want to know more about that. I remember I listened to his first show. I don't know if he's got like an inferiority complex. The first show he, cause remember cap was doing a show called cap and company. Yep. The first show they put them together, he got mad and yelled at cap and said, I'm not company. <laughs> this is the cap and Jay hood show. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. I feel like he's gotten in some sort of inferiority complex. Uh, Someone was telling me that they didn't think he was really a Bears fan, and I will say he is because he is over the years has talked about how much he loved Vince Evans, so uh, and has a Vince Evans jersey. So you don't say that if you're not a Bears fan. I, I think he's a Bears fan, but to say that about Cutler is fucking lazy. It's just something you're playing off a stereotype. The the cliche is low hanging fruit. 
Well, it's funny that you say that about lazy. I put up on uh, X today a comment made by Coach uh, T, who does our post game show. And somebody said something. I think it was Joe. <laughs> Joe was in the chat room now. Said something about uh, chatted something about Justin Fields. I hate him because of this. Blah blah blah. And, and Coach lost it. And Coach has been on this uh, rant for the last several weeks against people because he's he's. It's like he's offended. He feels like people don't understand what Justin is and that it's Luke Getzey. That's that's creating this problem with Justin Fields. That Fields could be much more effective if you had a, a coach who, who knew how to work with athletic quarterbacks. Like I think Bill Walsh is a great example because didn't Bill Walsh coach both Montana and yeah and Steve Steven? Young right? So he adapted certain things to you know for Steve's talents and. Of course, Luke Etsy has been slow to do that. It's really taken him a lot because he wants to turn Justin Fields into that great pocket passer like Aaron Rodgers does. And I can see why he wants to do that. Are, are you afraid, Dan, about the hits that he's been taking? Yeah, and I was sort of – the last time that DJ Moore ran the ball, he took a shot. Mm -hmm. so I was like, ooh, maybe we shouldn't do that so many times. But you could say that about Fields' is running as well. Uh, I mean, but <laughs> Fields is big enough to be a running back if he wanted to be, right? We always hear that he could play a different position, and a running back would be taking shots all day. Fields would be okay, man. His injury against Minnesota was sort of a fluke injury. It's not like he just landed the wrong way. It's not like he's injury prone, which his detractors make him out to be. Does it bother you that he's getting hit in the head a lot? It's bothering me, bothering me still that he's not getting calls. Right, right. Yeah, whenever he is in the quarterback, you know, he's not outside the pocket as a runner, and he takes a shot like the one against the Lions, you're like, man, why can't they throw the flag on that? I'm I, I'm not saying it's that they're not, that they're just like, ah, oh, we don't care about this kid, and that like it's a conspiracy to not throw a flag, but it's a coincidence or not. Yep. He never gets the flag thrown. And Jaquan Brisker talked about it with the media this week, and yeah. um, he he was quite outspoken, very candid, saying the NFL needs to do it, and he thinks that other teams are being coached to hit uh, Justin in certain ways. So that's quite the allegation. Flus was asked, uh, you know, what he does. And during how active are you petitioning Tanner during these games, telling the refs to be on the lookout for that? Yeah, I'm very active on that. You know, I'm always in their ear about that because you know protecting the quarterbacks in this league is big. Right. You know, th those guys are the, are the are the league, you know, so it's important that we do that and we continue to do that. And if you have a guy that's a runner, you know, and he slides down like that, we got to protect him, you know, and I wasn't happy about that first one. And I let him know about it. And I was like, you know, it's just not it's just not the right thing to do. So uh, we just got to make sure we take take care of our quarterbacks. Yeah, you never you never see Justin screaming at the officials and throwing his helmet whenever he's mad at them. Right. <laughs> I get the reference there. We'll talk yeah, about that. How, how we'll talk about that shortly. We'll talk about that shortly. But Flus's response there, you know, it's like he didn't even mention the health and welfare of his quarterback taking all these hits to the head. That's the first thing he should have said. Instead, he's finally, yeah, I, I, yeah, I took the reps all the time about that. It's like, first of all, this could be a fucking serious life-altering 
you know, incident with Justin getting kicked in the helmet. It's been proven, the CTE and all that shit. And that's why these rules have gotten so strict about hitting quarterbacks. Why aren't they not applying to certain quarterbacks? It's like the veteran quarterbacks get those calls, but the guys that are young, Because and I'm putting it this way only because if you watch Monday night's New York Giants game, the, one of the Packer players – uh, hit uh, DeVito when he was slide, sliding, hit him with his shoulder pad in the helmet, and that's typically a flag call. So it wasn't called for DeVito, and on Sunday clearly was not called uh, against uh, Justin Fields. And by the way, the other thing that bothered me about Eberflus's take there is that there was a second hit. He, uh, the follow-up question was, "Did were there any other hits? He goes, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'll have to go back and look. Well, let me show it to you. Uh, uh, coach, oh, that's the one wrong one. Uh, let me show it to you on the all 22. Here's Justin Fields running out of the pocket and look the kick to the head. Boom, right there. One more time. You want to see it again? Boom. Actually, it looks more like a crotch to the head. What do you think? I honestly thought, now I could be wrong, but when I saw that live, I thought that the Lions player was trying to leap him and not hit him. I think that was an accident. I really do. I could be wrong. I thought that one when I saw it live was accidental. Because it looked like he tried to immediately go to Fields too and 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 help. I think he was trying to jump over him. I could be wrong. I'm not saying I'm the know all end all on these things, but the first one was the egregious one. And I'm going to defend Flus on this too. I'm going to say maybe he didn't see that play because I mean maybe that's part of the thing. Like we have to evaluate. You know how Matt Nagy was always looking at his menu or whatever his plays. Maybe Flus was talking to the defense at that exact second and like firing them up too because he's clearly. You got to give him credit, man, because Matt Nagy never had the offense looking good, except maybe a little bit in 2018. Uh, I mean, Flus, if he's distracted, at least the defense is playing some fucking ball. Yeah. So he's at least doing the main thing that he's supposed to do. So if he's distracted a little bit and didn't see Fields' play on that one, I, I'll give him a pass for that, especially considering how well the D is starting to play. And and here's a main point, Aldo, I think that we all have to say. Even if you think Harbaugh should be here or any other coach, whoever it is, and you want Eberflus out of here, I, you, anyone has complained, why don't the Bears ever make halftime adjustments? And this week, after that fourth and one that they didn't get, Detroit scored two straight touchdowns, had all the momentum, led 13 to 10. It should have been 14-10. They missed an extra point. And then they go to halftime, and they come out, and the Lions have like five yards on five drives to start the second half. Right. So whatever they were doing wrong in the second quarter when momentum went to the other team, boy, did he drop the fucking hammer there, talking about making an adjustment. I can't think of a time where the Bears went to the half and made such a decisive adjustment and just flipped the whole script. It's usually the other team that does that to us. Mm-hmm. And they came out playing dominant football after having two straight drives. They, they couldn't stop them. So I got to give Eberflus credit for that because he made some halftime adjustments and they fucking worked and I loved it. Yeah. And, uh, and my God, you know, we've all have been very critical of Matt Eberflus, but perhaps he is building the case that he should stick around. Listen to Montez Sweat talk oh, I've heard about- this. Go ahead. This is good. This is yeah, good. Yeah, this is awesome. Where I came from, it was, you know what I'm saying? It was kind of like uh, just waiting on the season and, and kind of. But here it's like uh, every week, you know, it's, it's a new challenge. And 
people want to play for the for the man beside him, man. That's that's what I'm here for. Does Eberflus have something to do with kind of setting that tone? Sir? Does Coach Eberflus have something to do with kind of setting that tone every week too? Yeah, I mean, he's Coach uh, Flus is a great coach, bro. He, he keeps us motivated. Um, it's a I, I never seen a head coach uh, run the team and call defensive plays, so that's that's new for me. But, but a lot of respect for him as a coach. Pretty impressive. That's a jab at Ron Rivera there at the beginning. Big time. That's Holy a big shit. shot. And remember, Lovey tried this one year too in, I think, 09, where he was running the defense and was the head coach and uh, before they got Marinelli in here. And mm -hmm. it didn't it didn't go well. So, I mean, uh, they were losing, giving up 30 points a game at one point. Uh, and we all respect Lovey. So, I'm just saying it elevates what Iberflus is doing is what I'm saying in comparison. Uh, the Tooch I see is backstage. Tucho, let me know. Oh, I'm good to hear that he's well enough to be with us, by the way. Yeah, he, uh, uh, for those who don't know, and probably that's everybody, because I don't think he publicly stated that he had COVID. And, uh, but uh, he texted me today saying, I'm feeling a hell of a lot better. Thank, thank you, Democrats, for supplying all the COVID medicine. Oh, God, don't get, don't get him started. <laughs> No offense, John. No offense, John. Don't get us started either. <laughs> Let me know when you're ready. I got uh, another thing or two to do here that I wanted to share with everybody. All right. Let's get back to this game on Sunday because you know how there are certain plays in history that you just remember? I mean, I bet you if I were to say 2021, I, I bet you your brain would think about a special game or a special play. Uh, that, Two things immediately. 2021. Okay. Allen Robinson going out of bounds, costing us the game against Detroit when he had the ball. Oh my and God. the uh, 2021 when we were at our first game together with Fields getting sacked nine times. I hate to go negative, <laughs> but that's what I think of 2021, and I'm hoping Fields has a revenge game this week, baby. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, I had that feeling uh, on Sunday on that play where uh, uh, Aiden Hutchinson jumped off. Oh, the fourth down. The fourth down. The fourth oh, yeah. down play. Because, you know, on so many levels, it, it was cool. It was Hutchinson making the stupidest play in history because they're not going to snap the ball, you fucking idiot. Uh, and secondly, because of Fields' awareness. Yeah. That was beautiful. Yeah. I Well, if I could speak on that quickly before we go Please to Tooch. Please. Uh, I didn't know. That's how good the play call was. Let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, if, we're, if, if they would have snapped it, if they'd have brought as Cairo out, what is that, like a 54, 55-yarder? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's cold, it's windy. I mean, it's not freezing, but it, it's not exactly the best kicking day for a 55-yard field goal. Mm -hmm. So it is plausible for us to believe they're going to go for it. Uh, granted, it is fourth and thirteen, but I could see Detroit thinking, "All right, they just don't want to kick the field goal here, so they're going to go for it." I think the plausibility of the scenario leads to Hutchinson going across the line there. And how many times have we seen Aaron Rodgers do that to us? Mm -hmm. That's the first time I think I've seen the Bears do that to the other team. Oh my God, it was fucking great. Of course, we missed the extra point after of it, but so what? You know, we we were able to rebound from that. Lucas Patrick. Did it a lot with Green Bay and, of course, the offense coordinator Bears. Matt Eberflus, I mean, uh, Luke Etsy did it a lot. So they brought that from Green Bay, which was good to see. The other thing is, you know, just the awareness by um, 
by Justin really impressed me. And Braxton Jones also talked about after the game how they I saw sold this too. This is awesome. <laughs> um, they bid on it, and so it was cool to just see. I mean, we sold it. Um, Tev had great communication there. was like, oh, go to this guy, go to that guy. We called different things. And so I think we just got him to jump and then um, just let DJ do DJ, you know, go DJ. So there, there was no plan to snap the ball there, right? I don't think so. No. Okay. I love that. No, I don't think so. So I, I guess love they, that guy. I love him. <laughs> so do you think, let's say Detroit doesn't jump. Do you think they're just going to let the clock run out and punt, or are they going to call timeout and kick the field goal? Ooh, I think that they were going to uh, let the clock run out, get the penalty, and then punt, and then punt and try to cough and corner it. That's I, probably I, what would have happened too. Yeah, I'm glad they at least made the effort, man. That's great. I mean, like you said, for all the criticisms criticisms we've had of Luke Getzey, mm -hmm. I mean, that's brilliant. That was fucking brilliant. Other teams do that shit to us. Now, if we could just get him to start throwing the slant, you know, <laughs> it's like maybe I, I, we'll be on his bandwagon a little bit. I hear you. Uh, you know, uh, but first of all, Joe says, all the Fields Cooks Browns defense, I can already hear the haters using Browns injuries as an excuse. Uh, yeah, you know, there's going to be uh, tons of excuses being made. But I, I'll tell you this, you know, again, for the second week in a row, I want to give you credit for that closing rant that you did before you dashed out of here and go to your other job about appreciating the you, back then was five games left. Now there's yeah. four games left. And I can't think of a better headspace for me. And I think for a lot of fans of the anticipation of what could happen in these four games. And, and you laid that seed in my mind. So thank you for that. Yeah. I'll be honest. I practice what I preached this week. I, when, the, when the Detroit had those two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I didn't get negative. I didn't think uh, the Bears are out of this. I was like, oh, we might be in trouble now. They have all the momentum. But you know what? I'm going to watch the second half, and I'm going to enjoy it. I said this shit to myself. I love it. I love it. By the way, there's a guy named Johnny Santucci, uh, and there he is. Johnny, how are you, my friend? Back from the dead. <laughs> tell, tell, us, tell us what happened. Man, I tell you, you know, I've had COVID a couple times already, and, you know, it wasn't too bad. This time, I thought I was going to die, I got to tell you. Wow. Sunday, Sunday, I thought it was, uh, you know, I could, I could, uh, had a hard time, you know, uh, uh, catching my breath, you know. Oh, no. So, uh, I was really weak, went to urgent care, gave me a, some steroids in the butt. I was roiding, although <laughs> I'm... I'm uh, <laughs> I'm a steroid user. <laughs> Man, I felt real good after that, you know, and uh, Z pack, and you know, uh, uh, you know, able to recover uh, is it, from it. And, is it true, as Dan said, that you were thanking the Democrats? I didn't say that. Uh, uh, <laughs> Operation Warp Speed. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> there I mean, you go. Yeah, somebody deserves a little credit for it. I'm I, glad I you're well. Yeah, it, I think it was the steroids, to be honest. Well, your your sickness was worse than mine. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take no. your thunder away. But the antibiotics I'm on for that cyst on the back of my head, yeah. because it was infected, I've been shitting my fucking brains out, man. I've been shitting like seven times a day since I got this antibiotic. Really? I, I'm shitting out every ounce of the infection. Wow, yeah. that's awesome! I got a, a Z pack. <laughs> it's it's been a, awful. Well, it's bad. It's a bad feeling shitting all that out, but it's great that it's out of your fucking system yeah. and being flushed into the river. 
Yeah, I'm starting to feel much better, honestly. But I just hate shitting, man, especially when I'm at work around women, you know? Well, well, this is bare your souls. I got to admit, I've had a really bad case of hemorrhoids lately, man. This fucking fucking figure has been scratching my butt for the last two days. I told uh, my hemorrhoids. I told my hemorrhoids. I go, you go and get the rubber band shot up your ass. Uh It's it's like uh, I have hemorrhoids, too, man. It's just. It's uh, it's like twenty four hours of a dull ache up inside your ass. Yeah. Oh, you know? So I was like, you never yeah. had it then? No, but my uncle back when I was a kid, that was like twelve or something, and he had to have because his hemorrhoid problems were internal, uh-huh. so they had to cut them out. Like he had to have surgery. And I remember he was in such pain that he was soaking his ass in the bathtub. Yeah, my, mine never really hurt. You know, they're just bloody and, you know, you don't want to get any infection or anything like that. But I tell you, the worst part about the COVID was the cough, man, because it would not let me sleep. You know, so from Thursday to sat through Saturday, I probably slept like an hour, minutes at a time. That you know, sucks. Just, and just coughing. And when you, you're coughing so much, you expel everything out of your lungs and then you get lightheaded. You know, then it becomes hard to catch your breath. I'm, I'm asthmatic, too. So it doesn't Ooh. help. You know, so, but uh, Sunday I was so weak. I just told my wife, I'm like, dude, please just take me to urgent care. Did you at least get to watch the bears? I did. Yeah. I got to watch, got to watch the bears. Uh, and I I wore the shirt for Aldo and Dan. That's the Obama shirt that we like. (laughs) My, uh, my my church, you know, the audacity uh, of hope. (laughs) That's right. We got to do a a parody video somehow on, on that whole audacity of hope in the Chicago bears. I I don't know what the idea is. Let's work on it. My my neighbor, uh, David Eckfall lives in the next town. Yeah. Welcome David. He probably, he's real close to my, uh, hope church, West Des Moines. That's where I go, uh, every Sunday. Mm -hmm. And you know, Justin Fields, I'll talk about it, uh, in, uh, Bears Day Affairs talks a lot about God. Thanking God uh, in his uh, post game speech, yeah, uh, as well. So uh, you know, and his presser last week when they asked him about is life fair? Yeah, is it exactly. fair that, that you're dealing with this? That's and the he, quote. Yep. Yeah, that was heavy. That, yeah, that was heavy. So we'll I really felt it for the guy. Bear state affairs and uh, all right. Well, let's. Why yeah. don't we do that right now? Roll it up. All right, ready let's, to go. Everybody, uh, if you if this is your first time on the show, every week John Santucci offers up his take on the state of affairs for the Chicago Bears. One and week at a time. One week at a time. Right, Bears, State of Affairs, 2023 NFL season. We're going into week 15. Two wins in a row. Wow. What's happening, Barfly, as well? Bears played their 13th game of the season at home versus the Detroit Lions on Sunday. And the Bears won again. They won two games in a row for the first time since weeks 16 and 17 of 2021. In fact, the Bears are 3-1 and one in their last four games. Man, I wouldn't believe it if you told me that. Yesterday was the first time the Bears won a game after their bye week since 2013. When Dan Aguirre will tell you the head coach back then was Mark Tressman. And, you know, writing Bears State of Affairs is usually harder after a win. But after two wins, let me tell you, it's a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> this time it was even easier than that because we beat the Paper Lions and their unofficial mascot, Don Burr. Yeah. <laughs> Plus... 
The Bears are now five and eight on the season, only one game out of a wild card spot, and they are officially in the hunt for a playoff spot. Yeah, just like Dan Aguirre said. And let me tell you this. Donnie Burrow would give his left nut to have a playmaker like Justin Fields, a quarterback, over a mediocre Jared Goff. Don't let that guy fool you. Now, we did all kind of make fun of the barkeeper and Dan Aguirre for thinking the Bears were still alive. We did. We did. They were right, though. They kept hope alive. The Bears have risen from the dead. Behind midseason acquisition Montez Sweat and a vastly improved Bears defense, as well as a rejuvenated and refocused Justin Fields. Don't believe me? Well, I got numbers to back it up, man. Montez Sweat has three and a half sacks in five games for what has been a top five Chicago Bears defense since he was acquired right before week nine. Sweat now has reached 10 sacks after his sack on Sunday, his first season with double-digit sacks. It was the third straight game he had at least one sack. Quote, man, it was a goal that I've had ever since I got in the league, he said, of double-digit sacks after the game. So it's definitely a big day for me. The trade for Sweat was initially blasted by some analysts, but ultimately the Bears gave up only a second-round pick for a player who has elevated the entire defense. As a team, they have 11 sacks since his arrival for five games. Of those, all 11 came in the last four games as he has gotten to learn the defensive scheme better. In their first eight games before the trade, Bears had only 10 sacks. And hand-in-hand with the sacks are the takeaways They produced 11 takeaways in the last three games after getting only nine in the eight games before Sweat arrived. And let me take this moment to invite analyst Michael Lombardi to please speak ill of Bears players and management more often. We love the effects of your jealous stupidity. Can you please show us on the doll where the Bears hurt you? (laughs) Can't find an NFL gig? What a surprise. (laughs) Yeah, he was true. right about Mitch, though, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. We can't take that one away uh, from him. <laughs> broken clocks right twice a day. <laughs> yeah, the Bears defense has been absolutely resurgent. Fourth in total yards allowed. Sixth in rush yards per game. Fourth in pass yards per game. Tied for first in interceptions. First in passer rating allowed. And second best in explosive plays allowed. And how about Justin Fields this season? He's got a higher passer rating, 91.8, than both Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. A higher passing touchdown interception rate, 2.2, than Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. More rush yards per game, 50.9, than either Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson. Nice. Isn't it possible that Justin Fields just took a little bit longer to start developing? Mm-hmm. The Bears look like they're about to blow the game on Sunday until Justin's big play. A beautiful touchdown strike to DJ Moore on a surprise attack. Fourth and 13 free play from the Lions 38. That was huge. Probably the biggest play of the season. Justin to DJ touchdown. Last week's win changed the Bears' questions about their future. Do you keep Matt Eberflus? Who calls plays on offense? What do you do with the number one pick? How do you spend all that money? And the most important question, like I have been saying all along, Do you keep Justin Fields? You know, Justin Fields was asked about his future with the Bears, given the team's draft position, talk of the quarterbacks in the draft, and whether that's fair to factor into his evaluation over the next five games of the season. Mm -hmm. Life isn't so fair to me personally, he said. 
I'm just focused on what I control and the rest is in God's hands. Really, you just put everything in God's hands. You know, it's going to turn out good for you. If I'm here next year, if I'm not, football doesn't define who I am as a person. The tantalizing playmaking skills, the what if he puts it all together. And what if this rebuild works? Imagine giving Justin a top playmaker like Marvin Harrison Jr. in the next draft, putting him right next to DJ Moore. Imagine. Hope. There's four winnable games remaining, starting with the Browns, who have a great defense, but so do the Bears these days. Now, if we could just get the officials to pay attention to some of those late hits, right, Mr. Brisker? And that is Bears State of Affairs! game we need to sack joe flacco nine times (laughs) payback Uh, well i i want to talk to you guys about that it's one of the man so much to talk about we could do an 18 hour show but joe flacco to me is there for the taking you know like most old veteran guys they come in win a couple of games and everybody just talking i was like actually watching some cleveland fans uh, Cleveland Browns fans talking about Joe Flacco. One guy actually said, we should have given Flacco all that money instead of Deshaun Watson. He's way better than him. Okay, maybe the results have been better lately, but no. Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than a 38-year-old Joe Flacco. I think Joe Flacco is there for the taking. Everybody's talking about how great he's been playing. He, there were three turnovers that Flacco uh, was a part of with the Browns against the Jaguars. Um, he's, he does not have that strong arm that he used to when he won the Super Bowl, the Ravens. Uh, and the Bears' pass rush has improved so much. I think Flacco is going to have a tough day. It's gonna, it p- could potentially be a low-scoring game, of course, because oh, yeah. the Browns have a good defense. But Tuchel will know this because he's in that money-making betting business. The, the uh, Browns' defense lately has been giving up a lot of points. And some people think that it's just on the road. No, the, the, even at home lately, they've been giving up a lot of points. So there's a chance, a really, really good chance that the Bears could win by a score of 20 to 7, 20 to 10, something like that. What do you think, Tuch? Yeah, uh, like I said, four winnable games coming up, man. You just saw the Packers lose to the Tommy DeVito and the Giants. That's mm-hmm. the bookend, final bookend of the season. And we heard um, – What's the fat guy, buffet guy's name? Brad me? Biggs. You're talking to me? No. <laughs> Brad, Biggs said they'd have, they, that would be six games in a row, which would be quite a statement going into next season, whether whether or not the Bears make the playoffs or not. Yep. You know, uh, but uh, it, it would take uh, uh, some some uh, other teams to crash, and with the way quarterbacks are dropping, and Justin Her- or, uh, Justin Herbert uh, uh, went out with the broken finger. He's done for the season. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Browns have lost their starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Uh, Jordan, Love's I'm sure he's going to have hemorrhoid issues when he gets older. <laughs> Falcons, Falcons don't scare me. Don't say yeah. that now, Tooch, and then they beat us. Don't don't set yeah. us up. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. the, the, Bear, the Bears are, are playing uh, uh, well well enough to beat all four at this moment. In there's, time. Right. there's no doubt. There's no doubt. The I'm going to pound my away. chest for you. Then you remember that old game where. Uh, the Bears defense just beat the shit out of Archie Manning at the end of his run when he was a Viking. Yes. He sacked him like 12 times. Yes. Maybe, that, maybe that's what we do to Flacco this week. 
Oh, wouldn't that be so sweet? Justin's because, Revenge Game, baby. Right, because that's how you get. Where is it? That's how you get to forty-four nothing. Uh, early in the show, before you guys arrived, I talked about you know the Bears need that as a signature win to beat a good team, but to do it so convincingly that it goes beyond yeah. excuses. Well, they had a bad week. Well, their quarterback was hurt. Oh, well, this will no. The Bears, and it might not happen this season. It, it might happen in 2024. But I, to me, in my eyes, and a lot of fandom in my heart, I, I'm sure that's motivating me to share this. I think that the Bears could be headed to that 44 to nothing 1985 Bears team, a dominating defense. First round, top five pick, trade the first one and get more picks. But that first pick that they get, whether it's two, three, four, five, Draft the best fucking pass rusher to be opposite Montez Sweat, and let's win like the '85 Bears did. You know that's how uh, my my fantasy. I'm telling you, my and what's what's more significant is McMahon didn't play that day. Steve mm -hmm. Buller played. That would be equivalent to today. Tyson Bajan starting, and we win forty-four nothing. We can uh -huh. do this. Another 28-13, you know, we beat the first place Lions by two scores, by two touchdowns. And, and Toots, don't forget that we That's had an extra point, point blocked. We had an extra point blocked and a two-point conversion we didn't get trying to chase points. So, in theory, the Bears won 30-13 to Sunday. Yep. When you think about that, they won by essentially by 17 points. That's a blowout. Twenty-eight yeah, to thirteen makes it look a little bit closer than what it was. Another convincing win like last Sunday would would do a lot for this team's confidence going forward. And it would be the first time ever for me as a fan to to witness two straight wins in attendance. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's go, let's go. Tell us about your plans to go to Cleveland. Who are you going with? Where are you staying? Where are you sitting? Whose ass are you going to kick? Well, Saturday, uh, I'm going back to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, nice. My, my guy Justin's going to go with me. And uh, Will, we're trying to get Will on board, you know, our friend Will. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to go to the Rock Hall with me, but he's he's looking at going to the game, the Bears game. So I told him, well, on Monday, we should all go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame together in Canton. Ooh. And so uh, – Right now, it's Saturday. I'm going to the Rock Hall. Sunday's the Bears Browns. Monday, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which I've gone to once and loved it in 2012. Nice. So that's my plans. And hopefully, Will's going to be able to go and Will will go to the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame with me and my friend Justin. Love it. That sounds like a great trip. What hotel are you staying at? Uh, just a two star days in, but it's five miles from the, the venue. So hopefully, a short little Uber ride or lift to the game and, and come back, you know. Strip clubs? No strip clubs. We're there for a Bears win and a Justin Fields revenge game, baby. Hookers? Hookers, maybe? No hookers. <laughs> we're there for Justin Fields revenge game. So I'm telling you. <laughs> we're good. This is a business trip, Aldo. This is a business trip for a win. <laughs> Dan and I were at that last Justin yeah. Fields game, the first one. Matt As a gay couple. Exactly. <laughs> and apparently Will was at that game too, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. How about that? It should have come to our rescue when those people were calling us gay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I, I, that is the worst. And I, I've gone to Cubs, White Sox, Bulls games where they you know, lost by 30 or 10 runs or whatever. 
I, that was the most disheartening loss I had yeah. ever seen. I'd gone up to Green Bay, seen the Bears lose, and I was miserable for a fucking week. You know, that Cleveland game, though, and, and Dan and I were, like, talking about, this is what Nagy should do, and it was so fucking obvious. Max, protect the, your young rookie quarterback. Throw some screens. You know, run the ball more. We were all yelling this from our section, and the fucking Browns fans are looking at us with pity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that? the kid beside us was all right. He said he went to high school with that Denzel guy that they've got. Yeah. Right. And he was on the cup that we had that day. That's right. Yeah, so the guy beside us was okay. Just everyone else in the stadium hated us. <laughs> that was that was two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Was Fields' his first start ever. Nagy yeah. and uh, what was Baker Mayfield on the other side? Yes, yep. he was. Yes, yes, and and the Bears were, despite the terrible performance by the offense, the Bears defense kept the, uh, them in the game until early in the first quarter, fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden Mayfield just started breaking out. By the way, we need Baker to, to ball out this week against the Packers. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. There is a really good chance that the Bears can, if they don't make the playoffs, at least have, at least have the bragging rights of coming ahead of the Packers and maybe even the Vikings in the standings. That would be great. I, would, I don't know. We're down two games to Minnesota, but Minnesota has two games at Detroit left. Right. I don't know how that's going to play out, but I'm, Nick Mullins is better than what people think, in my opinion. I agree with you. I agree. That's I, another team that lost its quarterback mm. and its chances to win the division. Yep. I've been dying to ask this question to you and Dan, Tooch. What would you prefer for the Bears to win out or to lose so that they so that they have the first and second pick in oh. the draft? The Dan's Bernstein question. <laughs> That's right. Right. He said he doesn't want us chasing after mid. I, I, I hate Dan Bernstein. Oh. He's the worst. I'm with you guys. He's always got this false outrage. You know, he's just so outraged about everything that's happening. And mm -hmm. uh no, the answer to your question is win out. Win the fuck out. Yep. You already, chances yeah, are, are going to get that first pick. pick. Yeah. yeah, more than likely. Well. Oh, yeah. I, so if you, if you get the fifth pick, or I actually looked at the uh, Tankathon uh, site, if they have the best record but don't make the playoffs, they would have the 18th pick in the draft. So, so what? The, right. So have the first pick in the 18th. I'm fine with that. Yeah, you can trade that first pick and get another first pick and maybe another second round pick. Like, what? Shit, you can make some, you can get some skill in there. Plus, you got you some free agency money. And maybe that means signing Jalen Johnson to a big deal because he says he wants to uh, reset the position now. Well, did, did, do you guys think that Poles made a mistake by not signing him earlier in the season? I put this poll up. Bears fans, do you think Ryan Poles erred in not already extending Jalen Johnson's contract given that his price tag isn't dropping? In fact, his price tag could be going up because how well he's played since Montez Sweat joined the team. 65% said that Pulse's patience is I was good. among them. Oh, really? I Tell was me among them. Because at the time, and, and still, like Jalen has dropped that pick six that could have won us a game. I mean, he's played okay, but early on in his tenure, he didn't make any interceptions at all. That, that just started turning around in week seven against the Raiders. The game I was at, uh, the pick six. And uh, yeah, man, it's like he's upped his game. 
in pursuit of this contract, with the exception of that drop pick six, I think he's playing better. And if he gets a deal, he's going to earn it versus just polls giving it to him because out of, uh, you know, loyalty. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's made uh, Jalen a better player, yeah. or so it seems. What do you think, Tooch, before I offer up my thoughts? Well, I mean, it, it was a gamble, and, it, you know, if you're a gambling man, you like the gamble. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he let he let Jalen Johnson, you know, dip his toe in the water. The water was a little cold. Now the water got a little hotter. Uh, just, uh, I think, uh, uh, whether or not uh, Jalen Johnson – is back with the bears. I think that the number that he's coming back to the bears, at least got a little clear. Let's point out one thing too. We're going back 15 years, but there was a, after the super bowl, it was said that Lance Briggs would never play another down with the bears. And he was headed to San Francisco and it was a foregone conclusion. He wanted to be out of the cold, et cetera. And he ends up with a six year deal or something. Whenever even Erlacher went on the radio saying, I've lost my best friend. He's going to leave. And then and Lance is back. So Jalen Johnson, until he's gone, he can come back. Was that retro? Yeah, that was he's, retro. He's such a wet blanket. <laughs> what do you say? It. Where is it? I just uh... <laughs> JJ is a good player. He's not a game changer. I mean, he's a fucking good player, man. Here's yeah. here's the thing Look, with Jay. Wait, wait, wait a second. Okay, Jalen Johnson is a good, a damn good player. But mm-hmm. I mean, the, the question is, is you know. Uh, we're, we're not the deepest at cornerback, right? To, to be honest, but you, you can take care of that in the offseason. The question is, Tooch, mm-hmm. is yeah. what Toreen mentions here yeah. is he worth $21 million? Because that's what he wants. Yeah. He yeah. thinks he's every bit as good, if not much better, than Jari Alexander. So I'll ask you guys would you pay him $21 million? Let's see how it goes. Last yeah, four games, we'll determine yep. that. Yeah, if you're going to evaluate Justin that way, we can evaluate other players that way. Yeah, last, last four games, and you got to see who's coming up as free agents at cornerback position. I have right. no idea. I haven't looked at that. I'd like to see him brought back, and I definitely want to see Foreman brought back. Yeah, C Sharp makes a really good point here is that we are deep at this corner position. We you know, well, Kyler plays the slot, so he's yeah. one of the starters. I mean, Terrell Tim, Smith w- uh, would be he's an the unknown. backup for Jalen. Yeah, he's unknown, but he, he has shown a lot of promise. Looks he was, okay. Yeah, yeah. Eric Stevenson but, looks pretty good. But here's the thing: here's I'll ask you guys if you think this is a good plan. If I am trading, you know, the first overall pick for the Carolina, which this is where I'm leaning as of today. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have three first round picks. You're going to pick up a. a, a uh, another one. We've got two now. You're going to pick up one more in this trade somehow, some way. So why not draft a pass rusher, a cornerback, and somebody to help Justin, some offensive weapon or whatever. Like that could wide be, receiver out of Ohio State that we keep hearing about. Marvin Harrison, or it could yeah. be the kid out of LSU, Malik Neighbors. There's, there's a whole bunch of this yeah, is a rich, a rich uh, wide receiver class in the draft. So what, what, why not draft like the cornerback from Alabama? He's got that cool ass name, yeah, uh, Kool Aid McKinstry. That's him. Yeah, draft him, draft a pass rusher to help Montez Sweat, and draft an offensive weapon. That first round could be one of the greatest drafts I've ever done. In my I, life. <laughs> I'd like to see them keep Jalen because for years, all we kept hearing is that 
when the Bears were signing people like Jared Allen that we needed to build through the draft. Well, okay, we drafted him. He's our guy. Let's re-sign him. I'd li- hopefully that's how it works out. But I, Foreman obviously wasn't our draft pick, but I'd like to see him brought back. Uh, I think yeah. he's still underutilized, in my opinion. And by the way, Aldo, I was so happy to see Detroit with Kil- uh, Vildor and not us. I know he, <laughs> Vildor was your guy. Was. Oh, I yeah. hated Vildor. You know what else I liked to see? Him? <laughs> I liked seeing in that game was Montez Sweat running down Jameer Gibbs from behind. Yeah, how about that? Oh, Gibbs. I, I was so incensed. <laughs> I'm like, this guy's five foot five, 109 pounds, and he's running over us. Somebody hit this little fucking child in the throat. That's what I kept thinking the whole day. He's a Gibbs is now, that, yeah. Gibbs is up there with that dwarf Packers coach that I just, I hate for them being so small. <laughs> you know, Gibbs was one of the guys I was in love with with that last draft. I thought to myself, I would love to have this guy is uh, is is Marshall Falk. He's a pass catcher. He's a running back. You know, he's he's a better version than Matt Forte, but not quite as good as Marshall F- Falk. I tell you, I tell you, where we're not deep is wide receiver. We have one guy. Yeah, well, right. here's, Mooney, here's a right. question he for you a, and Dan. A nice catch on a, on a bullet from Justin Fields that went through the defensive back's hands. And then another a nice catch. Another two or three, they're just barely off, like always. Yeah. Just just a tinge I, off. Tyler Scott and, and Bayless Jones probably aren't on another team's roster. The the punt return is pretty good at catching the ball and making a few moves, though. I mean, that's about hey, it. give Bayless credit for uh, for not only catching a ball and not fumbling, he also had a PI called. Mm. I mean, that's progress for Valus, and I'm being slightly facetious, but that is progress for Valus. He had a catch. He had a fucking catch and drew a PI. I'd love to see uh, – uh, I mean, the Lions have one good, like, playmaking free uh, free safety back there. I forget the kid's name. Is it Branch? Brian Branch? Yes. That A guy like that in our backfield, I'm, you know, it's, instead of Eddie Jackson <laughs> – yeah, we got to make sure we keep our, our our guy Brisker at strong safety. Don't try to change him to free safety because yeah, seventeen tackles, man. That dude's got to stay in the box. That's some Sean Gale kind of stuff, you know. Really like magnificent the, uh, game, indeed. Would like to see a, a playmaking safety, and I, I think you got to get a couple wide receivers either. One in the one in free agency. Let me let me get draft. back. Let me get back to the wide receiver thing that you mentioned, because the one fear that I have right now is that it, it's either Luke Getze or Justin Fields as to why Darnell Mooney is doesn't have the type of numbers he did in his first two years, both coached under Matt Nagy. In his first year, he his rookie year, 60 receptions, four touchdowns. In the following year, 20 more receptions, 81, same amount of touchdowns, but a thousand yards. He increased his total by over 400 yards in reception yards. And then Luke Getze arrives. Justin Fields is the uh, is the full time starter, and the numbers go down. Four well, he missed seven. he missed like four or five games last year too. Let's he, not forget he, that he did. Uh, he started twelve games, and so that means he missed five games. But the numbers still are are low in comparison. Forty receptions, and now this year he might not even make forty receptions. He's already played one more game. Yeah, so, it just feels like the chemistry is off. But as bad as their chemistry is, it is so on par with DJ Moore and Fields, though. Yeah, I mean, is, is that a selling point? You think 
if I'm if you're the bear if you're uh, the Bears, uh, Ryan Poles, or you know the 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 uh, what's the other guy's name again? The stadium guy, uh, the uh, president, the president of the team, uh, uh, Warren, Kevin. Yeah, Warren. if you're Warren and you're, do you say? Man, our quarterback and our number one wide receiver have incredible fucking chemistry, and you can't pay for that. This quarterback rating throwing to DJ Moore is like 147 right now. So should that be a consideration if you're wanting to keep fields? Absolutely. I would think so, too. You're fucking right. And Mooney, I mean, we all like Mooney. He's one of our guys. He was drafted by us, you know. But it just seems that for whatever reason, their chemistry is not there. And I don't know if you can blame Justin or Mooney. I think it's 50-50. But Double M on the screen right now, he writes, it's DJ Moore taking Mooney plays. Moore is not taking them. Fields is giving them to DJ Moore. On most plays, DJ Moore is the first read. And what, in my opinion, Justin has to improve is going to the second read if DJ could be open. In fact, even if he's guarded, you fucking throw him the ball, right? But if you see the second read. He's open a lot. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. But if you see the second read is headed towards a touchdown and is wide open, why not fucking throw it? Well, maybe the second read's Komet sometimes too. Komet's having a really good year. That is a great point. I don't think he has the drop this year. I'm saying that now, and he'll have one Sunday. Yeah, but, but, uh, but, knock but on wood. The Bears are missing that. that Bears are missing that big, tall X receiver that can win a jump ball. I agree that, with that. that. That's a guy you need on the outside. Help that was supposed to be Chase Claypool, by the it was way. Supposed to be Chase yeah, exactly. Claypool. But uh, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is that guy. He's six four, two twenty. Got you know four three speed. You know, great mm-hmm. hands, great catch radius. You know, he, he's probably the consensus number one player over in the draft so if you're staying at number one you could take him and, and probably feel pretty good about it if you trade back you better make sure you don't trade too far where you lose out on him that's all I'm you saying. might better trade to the second pick and and get yeah. him though right and then yep. the usc kid goes number one yep or uh, uh now i'll tell you that greg feels like Marvin Harrison is hyped up a little too much because of the lineage to his father, a Hall of Famer, because he plays at Ohio State. He's not denying that he's going to be a great football player, but he feels like there are other guys in this draft who can be even better. Uh, Malik Neighbors, um, who is the guy you mentioned, uh, Tuch Roma. Roma Dunza. Roma Dunza. So there's a couple of other players. Xavier Leggett, somebody put up in the chat room, a guy who is really long and can run fast, super fast, like a 4-3 fast. Keon Coleman, I think he's out. he plays out east with uh, Florida. Florida. Florida State, I think. Florida State. So there are, you know, there's some talented wide receivers coming out so that if you – they're going to have to lose Jalen or and or – Darnell Mooney, because Poles is managing the cap. You know, he wants to make sure that he has the $30 million that it will, it will take to a year that it will take to re-sign Justin Fields in 2025 if that's the decision that they're going to do. He's got to think ahead in terms of managing the cap. So one or two of those guys is going to be gone because you can easily replace them with a lower price rookie uh, who can probably deliver the, uh, similar results. Sad but true. I hate to, to yep. lose players. 
Well, Tucho, you like me when uh, free agency came to the NFL, where you're a little bummed. Like, I understand it; it's fair to the players, but man, I you know I want to keep my players forever. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, at first it was you know it was like sad because you know you like these dynasties and teams and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Dynasties became a lot harder, you know, to keep together with free agency. You know, Wilbur Marshall was probably the one that stung the most. I think for right oh. that, oh. you know, I can remember. Uh, Daggers Dan, in the heart. Danny will tell you too. We lost Wilbur Marshall. You know, we lost Wilbur Marshall was a great player. Oh my gosh, he, I, I, athletically, he was the best player on that historic defense. Oh. And oh. you know, in terms of effectiveness, man, I mean, that's hard to pick. Like, who was the most effective player on that Bears defense? You could say. Dan yeah. Hampton, you could yeah. say Mike Singletary, Richard you could say Wilbur Marshall, Richard Dent. Oh my God. So yeah. you got four names there. That's, yeah. I'd love Dan's opinion on that. Who, who would you pick out of those four? As if you said, there's the one guy we want to continue to bring back year after year after year. It would have been either Richard or Wilbur. Yeah. Uh, Richard Dent was, you know, the best pass rusher I've ever seen with the Bears. I totally agree, and as much as I love Singletary, I do believe that Singletary was replaceable. Dan is back. Dan, have you been hearing what we've been talking about? If you're going to return one of the four defensive stars uh, of the 85 Bears and, and, and place this label, we, need, we want you back every year. Would it be Richard Dent? Would it be Dan Hampton? Would it be Mike Singletary or Wobo Marshall? Ooh. <laughs> tough one. You're saying irrespective of the actual the way it actually played out. Yeah, I race all that. But you can only have one for the rest of their career. Well, it prioritized Pri priority. Yeah. Priority. Well, it's hard to argue against Hampton, but he was a little bit older already. So mm -hmm. based upon age alone, if we're talking '86 Bears, then I got to find a way to keep Wilbur because and look, I love Dent. Dent's amazing. And Dent's young, too. Uh, but Otis is about to retire from injury. Singletary was great, but maybe a little overloved, just a tinge. So, uh, and Hampton's close to retirement. He didn't have any knees left, for God's sake. He's like Bill Walton, you know, with, with literally no knees. So I'm going to say Wilbur's the guy they should have kept. And if they keep Wilbur, chances are they actually win another Super Bowl, too. You could tell that Zach is a is a true blood uh, bar fly. He says Daniel go with Wilbur. <laughs> he said it before. He's, you mentioned Wilbur. Well, I love Dent, my, and I heard Tooch say that he was the best pass rusher we've had, and I agree with that in my lifetime. Uh, yeah. But Hampton was phenomenal. I'm just saying that only because Dan was older. I mean, he was a rookie in '79, so mm -hmm. if we're talking about like say '86, he's a little bit older already. And again, his knees are getting bad. That's not to, he's a Hall of Famer. You can't take him in the room. Hampton could be a Hall of Famer on the outside or inside. That's yeah. how great he was. Tell you, you know, when you look back at Samurai, I, I'm sure you guys I love Mike too. Love him. The way that I did is that this guy's going to be a great NFL head coach. And the fact that it hasn't happened has really shocked me. What do you think, Tooch? I knew he wasn't paying attention. That's right. Sorry, I was trying to upload something. Well, I can jump in. I can jump please, in. Please do. <laughs> I think he sort of got blackballed because of that rant where he's like, I want winners, and everyone mm -hmm. thought he was a caricature. 
And that sort of cost him. And it's unfortunate because San Francisco wasn't very good when he took over. Mm-hmm. It's it's not fair to suggest that he wouldn't have been able to coach. But I, I heard some people say, I think it was Shane, actually, that told me this story. When he was, uh, was Mike in Baltimore at one point, like a linebacker's coach? Yes. Yeah, somewhere along the lines, he got exposed for not knowing what he was talking about in a locker room with their scheme or something that made him look really bad. Ooh. Uh, and I find that hard to believe in this sense. Not that I'm saying that because Shane said it. Uh, no, not at all. I'm saying that, though, because uh, Mike was a, such a student of the game that it seems like, it, among anything, he at least had knowledge of everything he was talking about. So, Yeah, you know, um, I, I'm shocked. If that story is true, I'm shocked because this was the guy – who would bring home the 16 millimeter projector back then and right. watch game tape every night of the week every and loved night. it and loved it. It wasn't like I he was doing it because he felt, you know, compelled to do it. I mean, he fucking enjoyed it. Right. And he understood it. And buddy talked about how he was the leader of the defense because he understood the defense as well as he did. And so I'm shocked that he would be ill-prepared at a meeting where he has to talk about the defense, I can't believe. I mean, I can if the story is true, I'll believe it. But I can't. It's hard to believe that he would be that disorganized for a team meeting. I'm surprised that we, as an organization, and I'm saying all of us, but you know, the Bears. Let's not mm-hmm. say we then haven't given him some kind of a lower level job just to bring him back in the the fold. I mean, we, we should do that the way the Raiders, Al Davis always took care of old Raiders and made sure they were employed and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, cause they were qualified anyway. Right. But I'm just saying that the old Raiders always had a chance to go from from players to coaches. And then, like, if you're Art Shell, you become the head coach, you know. But they had assistants, too. And I'm surprised Mike hasn't had a shot here somewhere, even if it's just like a linebacker coach or something. And I'm not saying he should be the D coordinator, but I'm surprised someone hasn't given him a break. And I'm hoping that Kevin Warren is going to instill that cultural value on the Bears uh, because I think he's the type of guy who who gets it. And maybe even Ryan Poles, they get it, that they have to have a succession plan. And so when a player is doing great coaching on the coaching field and and, um, practice during the week, go up to that player and say, hey, have you ever thought about coaching? Well, if you're ever interested, let us know here at the Chicago Bears and they, you know, put them in a mentoring program, whatever the fuck. But when we had Doug Plank on here at the bar room uh, that Greg Braggs brought him on, Doug Doug Plank openly expressed how disappointed he was is that Bears don't bring back the old players to help the organization. So it's frustrating. All right, guys, uh, we are at straight up at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock Eastern. Dan, uh, you want to talk about your sex life? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had sex uh, as of late, but I'd, I'd rather keep talking bears if I'm driving the ship because I didn't get here uh, until late. Absolutely. Let me what, let me see. go ahead, uh, John. What was the uh, uh, Shawshank Hope uh, <laughs> thing thing you said? Well, I, was, I was listening in the uh, earlier before I came on. Yeah, I, what I did was, you know, I started the show by talking about the importance of hope. Yeah. You know, if if the three of us didn't have hope, we, we wouldn't be doing this fucking show, right? It's like, why would I want to come in and talk about a failed uh, car company or a failed, uh, you know, whatever? Uh, I love the Bears, and I'm always going to have hope, and I, and that hope can sometimes blind me. And so I played that clip. 
from Morgan Freeman saying, hope is a dangerous thing. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I was reminded of this one. Hope is a mistake. If you can't fix what's broken, you go, oh, yeah. that, that is so I, perfect. I, I don't know if you know what movie that's from. I watched it recently. Uh, Mad Max. The Fury, Fury Road, great movie. Yeah. Uh, the vision of George Miller for that movie and all of the stunts, and pra you know, practical effects, yep. the cars, everything, the stuntmen taking tumbles. It's the most phenomenal. It's yeah, most Amazing. phenomenal visual film I've ever seen. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of them. There's a there's a sequel coming out. Yes, he uh, is back at work and he's a master. Yeah. Uh, Dan, so what is the most? Here's here's another thing I want to show. Um, I don't think. Oh yeah, I did show that. Um, Can I say one thing real quick? Please. When do. you said most phenomenal visual film, immediately to my head was Terminator Two. Yeah, yeah, at the time, and, and yeah. I'll still stop and watch it whenever it 100%, comes out. Yeah, percent. You know, but but it, it the effects now when I see it now the effects now are starting to seem you know okay that was does a, it a hold up? Yeah, yeah, it holds up, but it's you know it's not quite as good as the shit you're seeing and, now. And you know, right? With it's it's Christmas time. Let, mm -hmm. Let's just be honest. It's it's Christmas time. <laughs> I, I watched uh, I watched Home Alone with the girls. Uh -huh. and I, it, it's not that good. It, it was never that it's good. Like, it's like so cheesy and terribly acted. But I mean, the only thing that was good about it was Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. Yeah. I mean, the I rest mean, of it was kind of cheesy. That second one with the woman that has the pigeons or whatever is just fucking awful. When oh. he's in New York. Donald Trump, he meets Donald Trump in the lobby. Hey, where is yeah, have you heard that Trump made them? Trump made them put him in there uh, to have access. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah, he demanded to be in, involved. He loves the camera. <laughs> um, so we wanted to talk a little bit more about the Bears. Uh, Dan, what are your expectations for this Browns game? Do you think that the Bears are going to get to Joe what, Flacco? What's on your What's on your Bears Christmas list, Dan? <laughs> Christmas yeah, list. <laughs> well, uh, I'm just hoping one game at a time, rooting for the Bears to win, rooting for Justin to be healthy and to play well, mm -hmm. and, you know, keep it going. Because, again, remind, remember, he's only 24. I don't want to give up on the guy. I want him to keep his gig, so that's what I'm rooting for. And I said I wouldn't do this because that's the way I was with Cutler. That's the way I was with Jim McMahon. That's the way I was with Eric Kramer, always rooting for a quarterback over everything else and i'm fucking bought in now i'm rooting for fields more than anything but i want the bears to win i want justin uh to uh command you know i want it to be obvious that he's the guy that they bring back and in addition to that i'm watching teams like green bay lose and and hoping for that final playoff spot who knows maybe six if uh a couple of teams start losing but i will say and i don't want to be right i thought about the 05 team, they they kicked the shit out of John Fox and Carolina in the regular season, just beat them up physically. And then in the playoff game, there you see Steve Smith with like 240 yards on peanut. Like, I don't want that. So I don't want to play Detroit again. We've kicked really? the shit out of them two times. Even though we lost that one game, they were physically, they beat them up. So if for some reason they got to go to Detroit in a wild card, I don't want that matchup. I I would love it. We'd be going to Dallas. But, yeah, right. But I'm, I'm I'd so love sure to beat Dallas Mike McCarthy. In that division, man. Dallas is really? Team, man. 
Wouldn't know. you love to beat Mike McCarthy? I would love that. I would love that. Eagles are trending oh, yeah. downwards. You know, you're, you're right. You're right, Tooch. Uh, it looks to me like the Cowboys are going to win the division, so it would be the Eagles. Yeah, I think Eagles, Eagles Eagles no, the Eagles will be a wild card team in that scenario. That we would we'd have to go to Dallas. No. Yeah, because Dallas well, will be the second seed. San Francisco is going to be yeah. one and have a bye. If Dallas so the, wins the division. The yeah. seventh seed more than likely is going to go to number two, which would be Dallas or right. Philly, but probably Dallas. So the chances are if the Bears make it, they would be going to Dallas, or if they got to number six, they'd go to Detroit. Or if Philly wins the division, we go to Philly, right? Yeah, right. and we, we never seemed to. We beat them in, in uh, 88, but we lost to them in 79 and, and 01 and – 18 fuck i don't want to play philly either that, fucking that's, like, that's like the worst <laughs> the worst venue to go on the road and play at oh my gosh yes yeah and i hate it when the eagles come to soldier field that's a ticket i will not buy because those philly fans they're fucking morons the worst <laughs> oh my goodness um so dan put your prognosticators hat on so give out three game balls for, to the Bears, after their victory in Cleveland, give one out to the offense, give one out to the defense, and give one out to special teams. And then, Tooch, you do the same. But let's let's ask the guy who's actually going to be there. How about Justin Fields' revenge game? His revenge game. Last time you hear, you're sacked nine times, and you're overwhelmed, and you look lost, and you look beaten up, and then you come back today proudly to beat the team that he handed you your first fucking humiliation and you get a game ball. All right, so on defense. He just can't get on board with Fields. Like, yeah, Mike Mike hates Fields. There's I no doubt about Man, I, I saw two fucking amazing plays, man. Uh, just beating the other defense with yeah. his legs two weeks yeah. in a row, man. It's like, yeah, he's special. Wait, wait, until he, wait until he puts it all together, man. going to be like eating those words for breakfast for the next year or so. I hope you are. I'll go, go on defense a couple sacks from Igakwe, you know, freed up by Mr. Sweat. Nice. You know, they're going to worry about him, and then Igakwe's only got four sacks, and he usually gets around eight or ten, so I think he gets two sacks. Uh, and then maybe special teams, maybe it'll be 15 again, Taylor with a big punt return. Could be Santos. Uh, but I'm I'm going to say it's Justin Fields' day, though. That's my, you know, to come back to the place where he was embarrassed and beaten up in the game we were at in week three of 21, to proudly come back to defend his honor, defend the Bears, and get a victory. There you go. Tooch, hand out some game balls for Sunday's win. over. The Can game. I ask you real quick before Tooch answers? Do sure. you all think that this staff is cognizant of that, that game for Justin? Because they weren't here. Do you oh, think yeah. they know? They have to know, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they've gone back and studied the tape from that game. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they have to know that this is meaningful to Justin. Absolutely, and so I think Justin meets the media tomorrow, and we're gonna, the press is going to bring it up, un undoubtedly. Of course they will, <laughs> and Justin will give him a dirty ass look. <laughs> All right, Tooch, you ready? To hang out some, uh, hand out some game balls. Yeah, I'll give you my uh, Christmas wish list too for the Bears. Uh, game balls, man, for offense. It's got to be Justin Fields because, like I said, for a long time, uh, it's not Fields who really has to audition for this team in my opinion it's the coaching staff especially mm -hmm. luke getsy who has to prove to us that he's good enough to coach a player like justin fields get the most out of his any any of his offensive players to be honest uh my christmas wish list 
uh, would include, you know, a serious evaluation of the coaching staff because I, I mean, Eberflus has done well with the defense, you know, uh, since he got Montez Sweat and other players seem to be, uh, uh, he seems to be rallying the troops, which is a great sign, but uh, the offensive coordinator position still troubles me. Uh, game balls for Cleveland. Uh, I think on offense, it's got to be Justin Fields, like I said. Uh, if, uh, if given out a game ball for the defense, man, uh, <clears throat> it, to me, this season has been TJ uh, Edwards, man. He's been everywhere. Love uh, love the way he's sort of solidified that linebacking core. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> on special teams, man, uh, it's hard to say. I, I think the MVP this season has been Cairo Santos. It's been pretty clutch. Both mm-hmm. kicking the kicking the ball off out of the end zone and, and knock making, off some fucking wood now. No shit. <laughs> yeah, Poppy Santos. Uh, <clears throat> those would be my game balls. Uh, let me give you three real. He's quick. a free uh, agent too, by the way. Poppy Santos is yeah. Yep. Uh, he'll demand about four million dollars, but we've got yep. the money to pay him. Yep. Uh, quickly on offense, I'm gonna give my uh, wish list game ball to left tackle Braxton Jones, who will probably be lined up the most against Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett generally lines up on the right side of that Browns. Well, let's team. hope we have Mercedes Lewis in there chipping away a little bit too. Absolutely. Yep. But, uh, you know, he'll Braxton he will have active? a lot of one-on-ones and he's going to have to win those battles. So, Lewis had a catch on Sunday. Yeah, Lewis, Lewis has been playing a lot of snaps the last four or five Good. weeks. Absolutely. Um, quietly on, gets the job done. I didn't even notice him. Yeah, he's, he's <clears> exactly. He's one of those players. Exactly. On defense, I'm going to give a game ball to Jervon Dexter, who is that three-tech defensive tackle who people are having complaining about. But slowly but surely, he's emerging as a, as a player who is going to make people forget that we bypassed Jalen Carter in the draft. So I want Jervon Dexter to get his first full solo sack. He's got .5 now. I want him to get his sack. So give him a game ball. And then on special teams, I'm hoping, I'm praying. I don't. I hope he doesn't come back next season, but since he's on the team now, I hope Valus Jones runs one back and we give him a game ball and we pat him on the ass that we tell him, hey, by the way, that big slip is coming January 3rd. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think St. Brown will be back this week or how bad is that peck injury? I, I I heard that he it's unlikely he will play. So is he done for the year or just done for a couple of weeks? No, just for at least this upcoming game is what I heard. Yeah, because so we need Lewis active then, and the Invisible Man is is eighteen. The other tight end uh, who grew up a Bears fan that it just seems like we can't get him the ball, and I don't know why he had fifty receptions with Green Bay, and we can't. He's probably got what five for the Bears. I think that's exactly right. Five receptions. <laughs> Robert Tanya. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's a guy we could get involved. We haven't had a defense since after Montez Sweat here got here, man. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> See, but that, that brings us back to the, the, the issue. We're talking about Tanya not getting the ball. It, again, I blame this on Fields. He's not seeing, as Tooch said, he's not seeing the third option because – Typically, Cole Komet is the second option after DJ Moore. So he's not seeing Mooney. He's not seeing Tanya. Those guys, and I know Coach T went on a rant on Sunday's uh, Bear Football Show, but those guys are getting open. It's just that Fields, uh, in my opinion, when I look at the tape, I think he's late to get there with the processing. Can we win with a quarterback who gets late like that? 
Yeah, you probably could. But eventually, hopefully, he gets better. That way, he can really be meet. I think he is going to get better. I mean, he's not in his prime yet. You know, I mean, he's twenty-four. Yeah, there you go. Twenty-four. He was born in my twelfth grade year in high school. For fuck's sake! I don't remember when, what I was doing when I was twenty-four. To be honest, but I. I I was probably, slamming some mad pussy. Yeah, I can tell you that. I probably was too. I, I wasn't. I probably wasn't. Uh, if, if pussy were reeds, I probably wasn't getting to my third reed there either. <laughs> I'll take take the first reed, man. If it's pussy. <laughs> I think that's the first time I've ever heard toots use that word. Well, in my twenties. I mean, come on. yeah, but your right. kids are behind you somewhere. <laughs> closet <laughs> all right i gotta run to the uh my closet where i have my 12 year old uh kidnapped get chick oh my I'm, goodness i'm just kidding fbi <laughs> yeah all man right. i'm glad you're feeling better though i'm, I'm glad you got you. to see the game you know let, let me share some uh home remedies from my wife who helped me through this whole ordeal was uh she bought these like vapor tablets you know and then she got like a big bowl and then uh, boiled a kettle and, and you know, a towel over my head. And I'm, I'm getting down there in the vapor. That really helped. The vapor uh, bath, you know. And then uh, lemon, ginger, uh, tea. Lemon and fresh, fresh ginger, fresh lemon, uh, tea. Uh, all that in there helped me, helped me uh, clear up, you know. And then, of course, the I have a sinus irrigator, like shoots sailing up through your nostrils. That really helps clear up the sinuses and stuff so you don't get bronchitis and stuff and then you know the steroid shot in the ass that really helped the uh prednisone pills and the z-pack and uh getting getting sleep was the was the really good i mean danny i could not sleep with that cough man i can imagine it was, it was just would not let me sleep wouldn't let me talk it was like a demon man it was like i tried to talk about like i couldn't go on air last week you could have done a brando godfather impression yeah. probably <laughs> yeah i lost my voice you know uh, you could still kind of hear my voices so that not all all the way back but uh yeah the, the cough would not let me sleep would not let me talk you know uh just uh it was it was hell although like I, the cough would not let me sleep that was the hardest part yeah i, uh, I was I, having a hard time sleeping because of that thing on the back of my fucking neck uh, especially yeah. when it was infected yep. Oh yep. my God, that cyst! It was fasting oh. too. I fasted, uh, you know, a good part of that time, uh, clear, clearing out and stuff. But Dan, you a, ever fast? I mean, I like to think that I do. Like in a sense, what what do you call that? Like, uh, there's a term for it, like for a bunch of hours each day or something. Like, like I ate earlier. Super at, fast. I ate at like seven o'clock, and I'm not going to eat again the rest of the night. Is my goal. Mm -hmm. yeah. until tomorrow evening it, it, that's what i mean that's sort of fasting but i don't know if i'm gonna be able to stick to it because actually I, I have to take my antibiotic at like 3 or 4 a.m at work and i have to eat something with that even if it's like a pack of crackers or something because i don't yep. want it to make me shit <laughs> yep intermittent chicken, fasting that's what i was chicken, trying to get at chicken noodle soup to a lot of chicken noodle soup so I've never heard of intermediate fasting. So. In, in, intermittent, it is. Yeah, yeah intermittent. So, um, so that's it's just like, like every day, hours? every day for twelve hours. You know. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I do that by mistake, and my wife gets mad at me. <laughs> I uh, I got to share a little show and tell because uh, uh, my uh, 
my, my wife and I had the girls write Christmas cards. I had to share Alita's. I nice. can't really write yet. She's five. She just writes her name and pictures. So, well, uh-huh. Alita's. So here is her suit. <laughs> 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 Please tell me. <laughs> so have I, you I, have you left a, a secret note? To no, but I, my wife and I bought a letter from Santa a card that we're working on. It's going to say you have to eat more vegetables, and fruits and vegetables. <laughs> That's <Santa's> awesome. <laughs> I said this is guaranteed to work, honey. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Dan, have you been uh, naughty or nice uh, this year? I, I've, it seems like I've been naughty considering all the shit I've had to buy like on my home and all the things that's going wrong, but uh, I'm hoping that it all ends up in a Bears playoff berth and that'll be worth it, you know? Struggle. That'll take care of all those ills, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing on my neck isn't cancer, so I got to be happy about it, you know, even though I can't yeah. get it removed until January 3rd. So what have you heard about the surgery? Is it going to be like an hour long, two hours long? I have no idea what to expect. I just know I'm supposed to be there at 8 a.m. That's all I know. Do you have someone taking you, or do I need to fly to West Virginia and take you to the doctor? <laughs> Actually, the surgery is in Virginia. Uh, again, I'm on the border of, of both states. So, uh, But I, I'm going to drive myself, I, I guess. No, They didn't tell me otherwise. Okay. So, all I know yeah. is that they said that I would be awake during it. That's all that I know, and that they said it wasn't cancer. Uh, she's like, oh, that's a cyst, I, but we'll we'll have to remove that. And uh, but uh, sort of a, a cyst, it's it, by definition, it's sort of a tumor, right? So I mean, yeah, terrifying. David wants to know if we're going to see you in an episode of Doctor Pimple Popper. <laughs> well, I think it's a little bit more serious than that. I mean, <laughs> I haven't seen that show other than about thirty seconds, and I immediately changed the channel. It's like I've not I, watched one second of it, but I think it, this on my neck is more uh, serious than a pimple. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, like sure. People like watching videos of zits being popped. That's gross. I don't understand that, but people, I, I put it up on Twitter once. Who the hell watches this? And there were like about a hundred replies saying, if you start watching it, you won't turn it off. Yeah, what oh, would be man. worse if somebody was popping herpes sores? Five, five seconds. <laughs> five seconds. I have that motherfucker. With their teeth. Oh, <laughs> oh <geez>. God. <laughs> uh, what they do, sis, a two on pop, pimple popper. Yeah, I, I thought they would. You know, yeah, they like, can't... like we need any more reasons to, to know that humans are disgusting. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, Thank all you, right. Mike. Last 10 minutes, uh, guys, want to talk about anything that you've seen on the tube or on the screen? Yeah. Um, yeah, a couple things that uh, one, I don't know if you saw, I know when I was at your house, I noticed you had that TCM underground book. Mm-hmm. I, I've been reading another book and, and I'm like 500 pages in. And so I haven't read it yet, but that's coming. Uh, but I just sifted through it because I had like 10 more minutes of work to burn the other day. And I saw one of the movies was in it is on HBO Max. I just watched it. Uh, God, it's something eating Raul. Oh yeah, I've seen it. Sure, yeah, I just like watched that movie, this yeah. morning. Yeah, yeah. The, the the girl that played in that rock and roll high school film who was like the villain, the principal. Yeah, it's right. really fucking hot in yeah, well, in the Raul what was, movie. What was her name again? I forgot her name. Uh, she was like and, a B, famous B movie actress. Yeah, Mary something. Eating Raul. Her name's yeah. Mary. She's eighty yeah. years old now. Um, yeah. Mary Waranov. Mary Bland Mary, in the movie. Ma- Mary Ronoff. 
right? Warnoff, yes. Warnoff. Yep. She yeah. had some good nudity in the uh, Eating Roll film. Yeah, it's kind of a sexy movie. That's like around the time of those weird movies, like uh, Private Parts, not the Howard Stern one. The other Private Parts movie that was oh, like okay. weirder. Oh, and, yes. Uh, yes, I remember that one. Raul was around that time. There were, uh, mm-hmm. there were some David Lynch movies going around then. They're all just the weirdness of the early 80s. Speaking of weird and a little bit earlier, I just watched uh, for the first time in a while. Uh, oh God, why am I not thinking the name of from 72 uh, John Waters film where the, the drag queen eats shit? Pink Flamingos. Yeah, yeah Pink I watched Flamingos. Pink Flamingos again for the first time in like 20 years. Why? <laughs> I enjoy weird shit like that. There's one on uh, on HBO Max right now that I want to watch with her in it. Ah, uh, oh, fuck, what's it called? I, I just, I mean, hold on, give me 10 seconds. I saved it so I would remember to watch it this weekend. Uh, what is the name of this film? It's on Max right now. Multiple Maniacs from 1970. Mm, okay. By John Waters, that's got Divine in it as well. Mm. So I want to check that out because it's on Max for free. Um, I I recorded. Uh, I didn't watch it again, but I recorded the DiCaprio film with De Niro with Scorsese because it went to uh, yep. video on demand this week. Because I, I was told they're Killers probably not going. Flower gonna, Moon. That was yeah, they may not be doing a physical release for that. It's going to go to Apple TV to, uh, ultimately. So I went ahead and bought it on pay per view and recorded it to have it at the house. Great film, great film. I can't put it over I enough. I started watching. I fell asleep. It's very slow, but it's because you were sick, it. though. Yeah, probably. It, it's a three and a half hour movie, but you yeah. could say the same thing about Casino or Goodfellas early on yeah. too. Probably. I mean, I hope it picks up. I mean, like the characters are kind of unlikable, you know, except for the Indian people. I guess that's the purpose. You yeah, know, the Native, the Native American people are great. Like the, the other people that- are just fucking assholes. Isn't that one of the uh, stories behind the scene is that they wrote the script and they actually started filming and Scorsese said to the, his producer, you know, this movie is about white people, but the story really isn't about white people. It's about the Native Americans. And so they just stopped production, rewrote the script, and that's the movie you have now. That That's yeah. a story I heard. I can't say for sure. Well, it's a great film. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I have to yeah. keep, keep going on it, but I'm about halfway through. Mm-hmm. Tooch, what, have, what have you go ahead Dan. oh last thing i think i told you this off air but uh, i'll say this to tooch too I, I was not a fan of any of the other seasons i've watched of fargo especially that billy bob thornton when i hated that season uh but john ham i because of our love for the other show uh mad men i've watched fargo in season five and they're four episodes in and i'm really liking it i heard it was good yeah I yeah. can't wait to see it. I, I've loved every uh, uh, season. I love the movie. I loved every season of the Fargo TV series. Some have been better than others. Uh, I thought the first season was good. I think season three, there was a Eastern European villain who was one of the best TV villains of all time. I loved uh, season four, which I think was with Chris Rock. And I'm dying to see uh, this season with John Hamm. And who else is in the cast? There's a couple of other... Uh- uh jennifer jason lee okay pretty big name right she plays a a really wealthy snob that's one Mm -hmm. of the sub like plots in it is the uh it seems to be prevalent is the income gap Mm -hmm. between the very it's it's maybe bernie sanders helped write it i don't know (laughs) but that's that's sort of in the back it's sort of the backdrop it's not the main plot or anything but it's something that (laughs) 
is uh, highlighted, it seems, and and just subtly. When you said Bernie Sanders, Cliff uh, put up, uh, fuck, I'm out of here. David is a fan of Fargo. Uh, Anything else, Dan, you want to share with us that you saw? I'm I'm trying to think if there's anything, because I've watched a couple of things. That's the only thing that comes to mind right now. All right. Well, Tooch, uh, why don't you tell us what you see? Well, uh, like I said, I tried to watch Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I started watching Dumb Money, which I was really enjoying too. It's a Paul Dano movie about the uh, oh yeah, I've heard uh, that's Wall, good Wall Street AMC stock uh, pump or whatever. Where the, you know he puts like fifty, he puts his like entire house mortgage up on you know fifty four thousand dollars worth of AMC stock and becomes like a multimillionaire and stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty good. But uh, uh, I haven't I haven't finished it yet. I've, I've been like. You know, the virus has kept me uh, in and out of watching things, but I'm looking forward to Reacher starts season two starts Friday. Yeah. If you didn't watch season one, man, you really missed out. That was freaking awesome. Yeah, I want to uh, see that. I want to see something about a guy just beating the shit out of people yeah. who bother him. <laughs> yeah, I want to see that. He's hilarious too, man. He's like six <laughs> six foot five, kicks everyone's ass, and then uh, they're like, "Reacher, you need to do this." He's like, "No." He's always like, no, I'm not doing whatever the fuck you want me to do. You, know? <laughs> you can't make me a GameStop. They're like, well, that was uh, dumb money. <laughs> and then, you know, I've got a uh, creator on uh, uh, already out. I was going to watch that. It's the mm-hmm. uh, sci-fi movie. I think someone was talking about that comes out 22nd, but uh, I've got that. And then, like I said, I went, I went, I caught Fury Road. <laughs> I just like got swept into like this, the scope and the imagination and all, all the stunts are so freaking amazing and some of like the when they drive into the electrical storm it's like man it was so so well done man george miller so underrated so underrated i I thought of one more thing i watched i don't know if you all saw this or not but uh kirk cobain was always talking about this actress named francis farmer he actually has a song called francis farmer will have her revenge on seattle Mm -hmm. and i kind of just knew about her story because like kurt was fascinated by her and Jessica Lang did a film called Francis, yep. Yep. where she played Francis Farmer from 1982, yeah. where they forced her to have a lobotomy, basically. And I, I watched that on Saturday. That's the other thing I wanted to say. I had, uh, it was okay. It was like two and a half hours. Uh, I, Jessica, uh, young Jessica Lang is, is a good Jessica Lang, you know, like as an actress. Ooh, yeah. Uh, so I enjoyed it. It wasn't great, but it was okay. I was just interested if you all had, had seen it at some point. Yeah, a long time ago I saw it. Yeah, long time ago, and uh, in the eighties, she was great. Love Jessica Lange. She was so beautiful. Oh my gosh, I don't think she's ever. In the eighties, I had such a crush on her, man. Yeah, I'm not sure she's ever been in a movie that I dislike. I mean, Tootsie. I was going to say the closest thing is Tootsie because that was such a. She she did an American Horror Story later. Yeah. Yeah. She was in that King Kong movie with Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of her first starring roles. Um, I just want to play that Nicholson movie. The uh, what was that one? There was a remake. Uh, Ah, come on, you you all have to pick me up. Oh, uh, uh, the with the, uh, the the vampire one. No, it's from like 81, uh, Jack Nicholson and Jessica Lange, they're cheating uh, on their spouses. The postman, postman yeah, the postman the... always rings oh, twice. Yes. That was a really good remake. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I love the original. I don't think I've ever seen the remake with- Oh, you um, should watch it. Nicholson and Jessica Lange, man. It's good. Yeah. 
I will get to that. Um, I wanted to share one thing with you. My daughter and I went to see a movie yes, by a Japanese anime yeah. guy. The best. Uh, yeah, he is. He really is the best. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're not a follower of Hayao Miyazaki's yeah. movies, I suggest you watch some of his previous work before you see this last one, because yeah. the backstory behind it is that he's in his late 80s. He's kind of the he's known as the Walt Disney of yeah. anime. And yeah. he this movie, The Boy and the Heron, is just filled with so much symbolism about his life as a child living through World War II and being impacted by the bombs around him, Hiroshima and all that stuff. Yeah. And his career as an artist, all those things are kind of symbolized in this new movie. What I recommend is you go start and watch some of his earlier stuff. And I'm going to put up on the screen just some of the visuals from his early stuff, and I fucked it up. I knew I would. <laughs> Let me try it again. Yeah, is this from The Boy and the Heron? No, this is uh, his fifth or sixth movie. It's called Princess Mononoke, okay. and this is the yeah. one that I would start with because it's just outstanding. Yeah, yep. Stand by. I'll put it up on the screen. Not for kids, but good. Yeah, you'd have to really explain things to kids about it. Yeah. But it's a very spiritual yeah. uh, movie, not you know Christianity or Islam, Islam, but it's just it's just a spiritual movie. There's this princess, mm -hmm. and she's guarded by these two wolves in the forest, and she's trying to stop corporations from coming in and ruining the forest. And this boy comes to her aid. It's his mission, sort of like Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. It's his mission to go and help this girl and get the big corporations out. If you like anime or just good, plain storytelling, I highly, highly recommend uh, Miyazaki's masterpiece called Princess Mononoke. Dan, any chance we can get you to watch it? I mean, it, it sounds a little liberal, right? Oh, it, the storyline definitely is. It sounds a little yeah. Bernie-ish. So you, yeah. maybe you could get me in there. It's not. It's certainly not my go-to uh, anime. It's not my my thing. That's not some. your genre. No, no. And most of the anime people like jack off to that shit. They're just really weird with it, you know. I mean, there's anime porn and like God. I just I don't get my rocks off that way. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really like classic anime though. You know, it's more like a. a, a you know, visionary metaphors from, you know, Mizaki's imagination, like yeah. Spirit of the Way is, you know, a, a great place to start. You know, it's like mm -hmm. the, uh, a young girl's coming of age and you know how, how scary it is. It's kind of like a, a dreamlike nightmare, you know, for most of it until uh, she finally accepts, you know, she's growing up and passing into another, you know, phase of life. And then Howl's Moving Castle is just pure goodness. You know, oh my gosh, so good! Yeah, a lot of fun. And then Ponyo Down by the Sea is uh, uh, more for kids, a children's more accessible. You know, classic fairy tale. I'm anxious to see what Boy in the Heron is like. But yeah, starting with Princess Mononoke, those last four or five films have been uh, uh, amazing. Yep. Well, guys, I got to go. Aldo, I'm sorry I didn't know that I was going to have to be late. I apologize. I'll I'll try to you know get them to tell me that moving forward because it is going to be a factor here and there on Tuesdays during basketball season, which I hate. Tuch, I hope you feel better. Go yep. Bears. I got to go. I'm sorry. Later, Danny. All right, Love guys. you, Dan. Take care. Yes, sir. You all be well. Uh, Thank you. Miyazaki's, they're all they're all on uh, – uh, that Studio Ghibli is all on Max. Isn't it? On, oh, yes. Uh, 
I most, thought it was Disney Plus because it was. Oh, Disney. did they move to Disney Plus? I thought it was on Max. I know Max I, has like an extra channel. I don't. Like yeah, I don't know of. for sure because um, I I thought Studio Ghibli was purchased by Disney, but I could be Re wrong. Recently, or because I know uh, it exists a year in, ago. There, there used to be in Max like a little Ghibli hub. You can okay. visit and see all. I'm not sure if it's there anymore, but uh, yeah, uh, I wanted to ask. I have uh, I installed Real Streams on my Fire Stick. Uh -huh. It's like you know every movie and channel and Sweet. You know, eleven bucks a month. Uh, I uh, I loaded up a couple movies that uh, I can't. I, I mean they're they're somewhere in my past, mm -hmm. but they have similar names. One of them's The Long Goodbye. One of them's The Long Good Friday. And I'm like, ah. I, I don't remember, although I need, I need your help. Like, which one am I supposed to watch? Is one of them uh, good? One of them not good? Are they both good? I, I remember The Long Goodbye. It's with Elliot Go uh, Gould. Elliot He's Gould. playing yep. the uh, Philip Marlowe character. Philip Marlowe, yep. Who Bogart played uh, in the 40s, a uh, couple of movies. So I would start there. I yeah. actually saw it about two or three weeks ago. It's directed okay. by Robert Altman. Yep. And there's a lot of really good he, – he was – he kind of – he didn't pioneer it, but he really perfected overlapping dialogue, and there's a lot of cool scenes oh, cool. Yep. Uh, with that. The uh, the Long Good Friday, I don't. It's, uh, Bob I, Hoskins. I, yeah, I was gonna say Bob Hoskins. I'm not. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Yeah, I haven't either. And then yeah. uh, a movie that I remember from my past, I never ever got to see. It was called Cross of Iron, with uh, 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 what's that guy? James Coburn. Yes. You know, and I have never got to see it, so it's loaded up in there. Good. Uh, I I have it in my DVD collection. Buck, Buck and I are in the same same boat with Killers. I'm trying to get through it. Buck, Buck, it's like it's so slow. It's like you know. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I it's available for rent on my system, and while I would love to see it on Blu-ray because of the quality, I've been dying to yeah. watch it, and so I'm thinking about renting it. But you know when it when I hear things like what you're saying and Muck Muck is saying, you got to be in the, in the right mood. Yeah. For a three-hour film, yeah, you know, you got to be in the right mood. So I'm, you know, hopefully I'll be in that mood soon. Yeah, and then uh, I've been dying to play the Black Stallion for the girls. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the, the with the boy washed up on the island. You know that exists. And like it's kind of like that classic, like breaking away with the lash your legs yes. to the to the bike. You know, the kid lashes himself to the to the stallion. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, yeah, dying, dying, dying I think it's name. I think his name is Carol Bellard. Uh, he was a great cinematographer, and I think that was the first movie he ever shot. Beautiful. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Oliver yeah. Reed, and uh, uh, I think was mm -hmm. in it as well, right? Is it the dad of uh, the boy, right? Yeah. It's on Prime and Max, is Mark, uh, the uh, Miyazaki movie, Princess of Mononoke. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's on Max? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Is that That's what we were talking about, right? When yeah. Was, yeah, there's yeah. a studio again. Yeah, and I, I like. Uh, I haven't haven't caught the latest Rick and Morty season. I'm a big fan of Rick and Morty. Really oh, cool. Enjoy that. I don't know if you ever watched uh, the cartoon. I, I'm sure they... Clips of it, hilarious stuff. I did this gag with yeah. Matt Nagy. You're, you know, I forgot what, what it was, but anyway. Um, <laughs> by the way, Zach has a good question. Best movies of the 1960s. What immediately yeah. comes to mind? The Graduate. Yeah. Excellent. One of them. Mike, yeah. Mike Dickles. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly would be my number one. Mm -hmm. Just amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Uh, uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Yeah. There's three off the top of my head. Yeah. I, I you know, in terms of, you know, I like experimental films, and, and I think 
2001 would fall under that category. Heavy symbolism. You you yeah. have to you have to like like poetry. The music is fantastic in it. Too. Oh uh, yes. I forget the name of the composer. Uh, Saganiac or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But the one uh, you know to I know there was the 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 Strauss waltzes, but there's also uh, mm -hmm. uh, the 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 to Jupiter and Beyond, which man, that's chanting mm -hmm. and, and you know, oh my gosh choral, so good. choral orchestra and then uh yeah the music of good the bad and the ugly you know it's amazing as well that uh, mm -hmm. and Ennio Morricone probably one of the best yeah, I think composers. he's my favorite yeah yeah and, and, and John Zimmer. Williams John Williams Hans Zimmer yep. three of my favorites so we yep. got some uh some thoughts on best movies of the 60s black like me I think that's uh, C Thomas Hop no <laughs> I, I remember the movie C Sharp, uh, black and white movie, and it's with a character, who is a white man who dresses up in black skin, you know, mm. so that uh, he could be exposed to how black people are treated in society in the 1960s. I think that's the movie. Wow. I don't remember it very well, but correct me if I'm wrong. Planet of the Apes. Yeah, good uh, one. Yep. yep. I have seen Sea Biscuit. I'm sure, uh, Tooch, you've seen it too. Is that to uh, Toby Maguire? Yeah, Toby Maguire. Uh, great sound design. If you if you yeah. have like a fi a stereo system, yeah, it, won, it won a lot of Oscars. If I remember oh my gosh, you just hear those the the racing scenes all around you. Rosemary's Baby was a '60s classic. Uh, scary as mm -hmm. shit, no doubt. You remember seeing What's, that Roman Polanski's yep. movie with Mia oh, Farrell? Yeah. Once yeah. upon a time in the West, as Mr. Mayhem says, also excellent. Yep, Charles yep. Bronson. Mm -hmm. uh, Henry F uh, Henry Fondo first Henry time Fondo. He, ever, he ever played a bad guy audiences couldn't handle it he mm -hmm. was like the golden boy you know yep like seeing him he was bad in that movie too man oh my gosh in the in in the TV series Mission Impossible was legendary in the 60s the man from Uncle with Robert Wagner and Ilya Kiryakin who just yeah passed away oh one of my best films of the 1960s mark yeah. has it dr strange love kubrick Another stanley kubrick was cranking before he did one. 2001 you know i i think that i like those first three movies from kubrick more than the ones that were you know more later on auteur you know yeah. uh yeah. The, the killing which is a great black and white crime picture yeah. um the, the uh, Dr. Strangelove or how I learned to stop worrying. Peter Sellers. <laughs> Peter Sellers played three roles. Yeah. Comedy classic. And then there's a third movie that he did. Oh, Paths of Glory with Kirk Douglas. Right. Have you seen that too? That was, uh, that was 62 or something, I think, right? Uh, I want to say it was like 63, 64, 63? maybe. Yeah. yeah. I've seen it once, but so that was a good. very long time ago. Please watch it again. It is so effing good. It's it's the movie uh, that Captain, really turned uh, Captain. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Kirk Douglas plays Colonel Dax. Colonel, Colonel Dax. Yeah. Yeah. He's charged with uh, trying trying to save the lives of three people who are going to be executed for cowardice uh, in a war battle. They there was just no way of winning. Mister Mayhem brings up another good uh, war movie, The Dirty Dozen. Yeah. I, I think that was early 70s, but uh, it, whatever decade, excellent stuff. Uh, Star Trek, were you a Trekkie fan, Tooch? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I never yeah, got into there was it. Nothing, there was nothing like it on TV. Yeah, that's true. It was just crazy. 
you know? I was more of a lost in space guy. Yeah, lost in space was great. Because those were on around the same time, yeah, weren't they? My favorite Martian. Mm-hmm. Oh, great comedy classic. Yeah. Uh yeah. Kelly's Heroes. You ever see that with Clint Eastwood? Uh, I think so, uh Don yeah. Rickles. <laughs> it, it's I remember as a kid, the family was going to go watch Kelly's Heroes, and I was too sick to go, and I was so disappointed. And I kept asking my brother, how was the movie? What was the movie like? What was the movie? And he was like, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it's okay. And I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. You probably weren't paying attention. Uh, Cliff's got some some there, uh, Voyage to the Bottom. Of the... There were a bunch of uh, uh, movies around that time like that, like Fantastic Island or Mysterious mm-hmm. Island. Yeah. You know, Then there were like the Sinbad uh, movies. Ray Harryhausen, Ray Harryhausen, yeah, yeah, swords, swords and sandals, mm-hmm. fantasy monsters and stuff, yeah. Mark says he saw some movie at the 400 Theater in Rogers Park, which I have been to uh, back back then in the 60s, 70s. Yeah, I don't remember early the 400 80s. Theater. Uh, not too far from Loyola University, and I think they had a soft porn double feature of Russ Meyer movies that I saw at the 400 Theater. <laughs> yeah, always, uh, always uh, uh, a pleasure to see a Russ Meyer film. Oh my gosh, please! <laughs> One of my heroes, the women <laughs> were amazing. Yeah, well, yep. I used to go to the, the patio, uh, Austin, patio, Austin and Irving Park, Irving Park, yeah, and uh, the portage. Yeah, was, uh, on Milwaukee. Milwaukee around Berto or mm-hmm. Hutchinson around there. Yeah. The structure is still there for the portage, but I think it's 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 vacant right now. Hopefully somebody yeah. will buy it and, and fix put it up. Your, put your foot down back in the day and step on a rat. <laughs> oh my gosh, the biggest <laughs> fucking rats you've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were crossbred, Puerto Ricans and Polish people. <laughs> so they were huge. <laughs> The rats were a giant in that theater, man. I'll tell you. Oh my gosh. So like a small cat. They rivaled the downtown theaters rats, <laughs> which were fucking huge. Harlem yeah. Knights, yeah, Jay Gris was a good one. Yeah. Uh, but I I I think that was outside the 60s, the Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor movie. Yeah. Did Pryor make any movies in the 60s? I don't think so. No, it was like uh what was that Sil- 70s. silver? Silver Bullet and uh, Silver Streak with Gene Silver Wilder, Streak, yeah. yeah. Silver, Silver Streak and Stir Crazy, those were 80s, I think, 70s, 80s. All right, Brian's song was definitely uh, in the 60s, an ABC TV movie of the week, Tearjerker. Yeah, all right, let's close this episode of uh, Bear Their Souls. Uh, Tooch, what do you got going on? What do you want to plug? Uh, man, I'm, I'm just coming back from the dead, <laughs> to be honest. I'm like, I'm still working from uh. Still working from home for this week, I think. You know, just uh, you know the the the, uh, the company is like, yeah, we come back. You know, whatever you want, just wear a mask. I'm like, I just almost died. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna need a little bit more time. You oh, know, shit. it's like I told my boss, me Thursday would be the earliest I'm coming in. You know, like tomorrow's the Christmas party. I just don't feel like going. I'm like, yeah, you know, good mask, call. Mask up and you know, yeah, oh, take I'm care busy. of yourself. I, uh, I got a West Virginia travel guy that's been taking up a lot of time, which is a beautiful state, man. Just some of those. It's it's amazing where Danny lives, man. It's just yeah, you so got to send him a copy of that. Got the Illinois travel guide just dropped today. So I'll be doing the Illinois travel guide. Oh, cool. Uh, got uh, just finished Life Bob Marley. That was fun. 
They're making a Bob Marley movie, by the way. That's part I, of the. When I was at the movie theater, I saw this big cardboard cutout that was yeah. bigger than life. It looked cool. Yeah, I uh, forget. I forget the name of the actor uh, who's playing him. God damn. It. Oh, I thought ben, it was a Benadir or something. Uh, I thought it was a concert documentary. No, no, it looks so much like life him. story. Who's playing him? Yeah. Oh, story cool. of his life. Yep, coming out soon. Yeah, so very the, cool. The, the uh, magazine will be out around the time of the movie. Uh, Excellent. And then, uh, what else do I have going on? I've got all these agriculture, successful farming, and stuff going on right now. Mm-hmm. Future Farmers of America, successful farming, and Aegis Iron that I'm all doing right now. Nothing uh, sports related, uh, unfortunately. But I'm sure I'll have the Super Bowl magazine coming up. You know, like I said, we always produce two, you know, the two teams, and then one gets mm-hmm. dropped, goes on. and Those are collector's items. The ones, <laughs> the ones that proclaim. The Bengals, <laughs> man, that was out of sight. The Bengals <laughs> one. The other two Do you have a copy of that? Because that, that's got to be worth hundreds of dollars. Just a digital copy. But, uh, ah. the uh, you know, the, the Bengals guy that replaced uh, Joe Burrow had a pretty fucking good game the other night. I was watching him, man. I was like. He did. I, yeah. I was like. You know, Anthony and I were talking about this game, and I was like, he was really good in college, man. Of 39 touchdown passes one year. Browning, I think yeah, his Jake last name Browning. Was I was like, oh, the other team, oh, Jacksonville's just going to tee off on him, and, you know, they're light him up and stuff. And they, he made throw after throw after throw in that game. And just, you know, uh, Bengals, uh, I think they're they're in okay shape, man. To, you know, the, the, the Ravens defense doesn't look all that. Uh, InDesign, I, I, uh, I, I know a lot of InDesign. I don't, I don't use it that much because I'm basically at the point where those are already built and I'm, you know, looking at digital proofs at the time, but, uh, you know, it didn't design for Adobe creative suite, you know, although I'll tell you so oh, yeah. bread and butter. Oh yeah. The industry's yeah. norm right there. Yep. Uh, any, and, and are, are you the, hoping a possibility you'll be back for Friday's weekend? I, th- I think so. Yeah. We should be okay. back on Friday. All right. We'll, so uh, we we want to win some yeah, Christmas money my, here. My wife bought a Black Friday cruise on Black Friday. I don't know if I told you. So the Jan- January, did I tell you? No? Yes, you did mention okay. it. I think last week yeah. after the show. The January, uh, uh, end of January, I think the 20 something, that week of the 24th or something like that. I'll be in. Mm-hmm. Miami and Bahamas on the cruise ship. So uh, looking forward to that. Outstanding. Yep. I envy you. <laughs> I could use it, man. I could use a little salt and sea. I'm planning on you know? probably going to Mobile, Alabama as my next trip for the Senior Bowl. Right for on. Yep. Danny Shimon and you. and uh... Danny and I and <laughs> uh, a bunch of masseuse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. everybody. Uh, oh, two, got, any uh, final words? Predictions on the Browns game? Yeah. Let me hear yours first. I'm going to take the Bears plus the points, man. I'm gonna take, I'll, I'll take the points in my back pocket. Is it three? I think it's three. Okay. It's either three or three and a half. If it's yeah, three and I, a half, I'm definitely on the Bears. Three. I, uh, if it gets a two and a half, I don't know. Yeah. I think the Bears are going to win outright. I really yeah, do. If it's two and a half, I would play Bears to win outright. Yeah. Just take and get rid of the juice. Yeah. You know. They're just playing too well. You know, these last, the numbers for these last five games. Are you one of those handicappers that believes in trends? You know, I, I, it's part, it's factored in for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trend right now is that Tooch is a little cold. 
There was a time that I went like uh, was Thursday, Friday was at my sickest. I was 11 and one in college basketball, riding high. Since then, I think I'm like really cold since then. But, uh, you know, tonight I look like five and five, you know, for clients. But uh, uh, it's tough. I mean, uh, last night was rough as hell, man. Both both dogs won outright. It's like, come yeah. on, you know, I mean, I should have, I could have probably, I sh- probably should have predicted the giants, but I didn't think uh, the Titans, they sucked on the road would get to the, I mean, 13 yeah. and a half was a lot of points. That's why I wasn't taking 13, you know, 13 yeah, the thing with the Eagles though, is that they've lost four games and yeah. uh, not, not lost, but played four games in the last 20 days. And that's yeah. a tired team. Yeah. And uh, you know, my, my play was the uh, uh, Dolphins team total over 29 and a half, which they should have gotten there. They had a field goal blocked mm-hmm. to finish 27. Otherwise, it would have got there. Uh, yep. Thanks, Mike. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, it was, man, it was, it was rough. Uh, uh, Cliff, <laughs> the, doggies, the doggies were barking, you know, right. doggies were barking all weekend. And then I last, was it Monday? Monday night, I missed a big chance to, uh, I've been playing these like, players to get two touchdowns in a game. Yeah. And I had like a couple weeks ago, Der- Derek Henry, Kyron Williams. I had someone else and like two out of three of them hit. So it was like, mm-hmm. it was like four or 500 bucks, you know, Nice. <laughs> I had the six anytime touchdown scorers parlay. That was like, Oh, how cool that is big. that? And then last night I was like, man, should I play another two, <coughs> two touchdown and like three guys out of four, Games had two touchdowns. I missed a big opportunity. Oh shit! Kicking myself because I love playing that. Two, you know, Derek Henry, Raheem Mostert, and Saquon Barkley would have been you know guys I probably would have taken. Yeah. You know? And then uh, uh, I forget. Mm. Uh, I might have taken somebody on the Packers, but to take uh, uh, two touchdowns. But uh, you live and learn. Maybe there's always next weekend. Absolutely. Are they going to do this doubleheader Monday night football another week? I don't know. You know, that was really annoying, I thought. I thought so, I had to watch it two split screens, you know? Yeah. Two smaller screens. I'm like, yeah. And then you got to, like, switch over to the sound. Highlight one and the sound's there. Highlight back. The sound's over there, you know? Yeah, I I thought I was going to like it more than I did. And Maybe some of it had to do with the games were not that great in terms of execution of the offense. They could have started one at, like, six. Yes, yeah, they've done like that before. Yes, thirty. So we could have gotten more football action on a Monday night, but they start both right. of them at like the same time. Fifteen like, minute difference. Yeah, yeah, fifteen minutes apart. Come on. Mm-hmm. Let's get. Then we got we got Saturday games now. So yeah, I, I like that. Three games coming yeah. up this Saturday. That'll be We've fun. Got college bowl games coming up. That's going to be fun. The bowl games were uh, announced recently. Some mm-hmm. interesting stuff there. Notre Dame is uh, playing in. Uh, oh boy, uh, let me see. Hold fucking. On. Battery Bowl or Outback Bowl or yeah. something, and Sam Hartman has decided not to play for Notre Dame at the quarterback position. Yeah, a lot of guys. Gonna, a lot of guys are out. I don't understand that. You know, I understand you don't want to get injured and stuff. Yeah. But if, if you're playing with the team the entire year, you get a chance to play in a bowl game. You should be with your yeah. your brothers. Anthony and Sean and I will talk about this stuff on Friday. But I mean, like last time, last year, I remember like we got burned because so many guys sat out last year. It was so hard to handicap these games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's impossible. Almost. It's hard. Notre Dame is playing Oregon state. Uh, yeah. That's the uh, Tony, the tiger sun bowl. <laughs> Man, I love frost. Flakes. <laughs> I can't eat them anymore. It's too much sugar for me. So good. I, Iowa, uh, 
Uh, my buddy uh, from Iowa, we got, uh, we're taking on Tennessee. We're getting seven and a half points and we're going to get blown out probably because we never <laughs> score. Alabama, Michigan, that's the big one. Texas, Washington, that'll be good. Yeah, that'll too. be real good. Yep. Well, lots of good stuff coming up. Uh, stick around here in the Bar Room Network. Yeah. Tomorrow we've got uh, Bar Down Hockey Buffone, Talk. Right? John Buffone at 7.30 and yeah. uh, Matt. They got a Reed. Cleveland guest on, Cleveland Browns. No, what I've been doing the last, uh, I don't know, eight shows, I do the video a video essay on the upcoming team. Okay, nice. Uh, yeah, I, I really love those. I enjoy doing those, yeah. Yeah. So Nobody we'll else do is another... doing those. No, I think, uh, I, well, not that I've seen, but maybe, yeah. maybe they have. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoy doing that. So that will oh, be yeah. 7.30 and uh, Mac and Reed at uh, 6 p.m. These times are awesome. I love, I love Ross. I wonder if he watched Bet Bear State of Affairs where I called him out, shouted him out. You, oh. You'll have to should, ask him. <laughs> we, sh we should find <laughs> If you can remember what episode that was, let me know. I'll, I'll, uh, send, I'll send it to him. I'll, I'll email you the clip. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, everybody, hope to see you uh, tomorrow. If not tomorrow, then the next day. If not the next day, then the next day. We'll, we'll be here. <laughs> the question <laughs> is, will you be here? Take care, everybody.